Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond, from iconic plays and arenas to the impact players have in the community. That's the NBA. That's game. Like in the NBA Finals when the Bucks had their backs against the wall. Drew Holiday steals the ball, pushes the break. Alley hooped to Giannis for an iconic slam. Seals game five and the eventual title. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what that is? That's an opening day greeting right That's there. That's what, exactly what that is. That's baseball is back, baby. Let's baseball's do this. Baseball's back. Look at us. Look at us. Well, uh, to be clear, baseball is back for some teams. <laughs> Not, not for every team. Not for every team. No, <laughs> you don't get baseball everywhere. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't no. exist anymore. So specifically, uh, uh, specifically, if you are the New York Mets, you do not get baseball <laughs> because you are the New York Mets, and that's the way things go. You sign Francisco Lindor to a three hundred and forty-one million dollar ten-year extension. Right. Your team is owned by one of the like 12 richest men in America. <laughs> right. And you're thinking to yourself, "Here we go, April first. It's baseball time, and then somebody gets COVID, and the whole thing is called off. And uh, it's like it's nice because you know baseball, of course, is the oldest American sport. It's been around the longest. It has the most traditions. It's the most obsessed with its own past. And there is something really nice about the feeling that some things will never change in baseball. And one of those things is that if you are a Mets fan you will be angry and disappointed <laughs> and miserable no matter what the situation is. <laughs> well, it's really interesting. You and I blurbed uh, a book, a new book that's uh, that is out now by Devin Gordon called So Many Ways to Lose. It's the mm-hmm. story of the, of the Mets. And there was a part of me that was like, you know, is this book going to even work now that the Mets are, uh, you know, owned by, by Steve Cohen and they're they're active. And, and then, of course, they do. They, they get Lindor. They sign Lindor. Like, will it really like will people want to read about these Mets shenanigans from the last, you know, th- and then it's like, oh, yeah, they're the Mets. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Yeah. It'll- <laughs> the title of the book is so many. Is it so many different ways to lose? Or just so, so many, many ways, ways to lose. So many yeah. ways to lose. And like, yeah, here's another one. You can lose by not having your team even play a game on opening day. That's another way you can lose oh, if you're a fan. <laughs> it's beautiful. All right. We're going to get to baseball in a few minutes. We're going to. uh we're going to do our, our annual preview where we just tell you exactly what's going to happen so you don't even have to watch if you don't want to. We That's just, right. Uh, and, and just to remind everybody, this is a, like this is the ultimate spoiler alert because every year yes, yes. Uh, we go through, we go through uh, every team, every division, and we tell you with 
I think historically 98.1% accuracy. 98.3%. Is that uh, what it is? After last year, which was, yeah. you know, and that included us predicting it would be a 60 game season. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and so we, uh, so, so we're going to, we're, we are going to tell you what will happen. And then <laughs> it's up to you whether you want to listen to this or not listen to it. Because if you, if you like suspense and you like drama, don't, don't listen to this. You're right. Gonna, right. It's going to ruin everything for you. But if you want to be like the smartest person in your little group of uh, baseball fans, then this is the podcast for you. That's right. No, that's yeah. right. It's sort of like, like, do you want to know what happens in the Avengers before you see it? And and it's and like, some people do. Like some, some people do. are like, yes, some I just do. want to know that everything's going to be okay and that you know Captain America is going to be able to use Thor's hammer or whatever. Um, but the other thing we should mention is the way we do this. Um, it's a very rigorous process wherein you. Right. Yes. Joe Posnanski, a a professional baseball writer for many right. years, professional sports writer. You do a ton of research and you look at, <laughs> at the Bacota projections and you look at war and you look at all these advanced metrics. Right. I, uh, a ding dong with a microphone, do no uh, research at all. I barely remember which free agents have signed where. That's right. And I and I go purely by my gut. I just say like this is here's what it is, and somehow the alchemy of the two of us creates a, a nearly perfect, a 98.3% accurate prediction for the entire season. So you, you're going to, you're going to give facts and figures. <laughs> I'm going to give uh, old school, just gut uh, reactions. And That's then right. together we predict everything that happens. Well, it's amazing because look, if, if, if we all know that if you're somebody who like does a, a lot of research, um, you're, you're going to predict poorly. I mean, this is just the fact that, you know, if it was just me doing it, no way. It's, it, would, it, would, it would be just like everybody else's predictions. And if it was just you having done no research whatsoever, again, it's not going to work. Right. But you put those two things together, magic. It's just magic. magic. Yeah, it's magic. It's alchemy. <laughs> Call it what you will, but it's 98.3% accurate. So, uh, you know, <laughs> ignore us at your peril. Ignore us at your peril. That's exactly right. And this will be, uh, we just found out, this will be the 10th time that we've done this because... Uh, Apparently, uh, March 28th was our 10-year anniversary of the podcast. That's right. We joke all the time about how long we've been doing this, you That's know, right. 30, 38 years or 62 <laughs> years this November, whatever. It turns out our, our producer, Marissa, told us that technically speaking, March 28th, three days ago, was our actual 10-year anniversary. And in classic podcast fashion, we neither knew that nor celebrated <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> happy it's, anniversary do you happy 10 year anniversary that's uh that's pretty impressive that we've been it, doing this for 10 well, years well happy anniversary to anybody who's been listening to this chris stupid thing for 10 years i mean that's god bless you man i mean that's 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 good stuff of course marissa it's 10 year anniversary uh for what she has been able to find yeah you we have I no idea know. oh my gosh <laughs> we you know, you go back, find those eight track tapes of those of the podcasts that we were doing. I mean, come yeah. on. I mean, Somewhere just... there's a bunch of old decaying reel to reel tapes from the late 1970s that have a that have a really grainy recording of the two of us talking about, you know, uh, like the Mike Schmidt Phillies. Exactly. Just arguing about the Mike and Skylab, telling Skylab jokes. I mean, it was yeah. talking oh, about those... gas lines and Jimmy Carter and who knows what else. <laughs> those were the greatest days. Those were so fun. All right, we are going to do our baseball in a few minutes, but 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 before we get to there, we have to we we sort of promised uh, that we were going to go back to our segments. We were going to do segments. That's right. Segments a big part of uh, of the podcast, as everybody knows. And we wouldn't be doing this. We would have completely forgotten, except for podcast music director David von Campen, uh, mm -hmm. who is uh, 
much too talented to be wasting his time with, with what we're doing. Uh, came up with all sorts of music for our new segments. So we have to. And our so old segments, can, for the record. And he, our old he, segments. Yeah, yeah. We, we could bring back any segment. We've got we've got all of this music. Uh, David, by the way, if you want, please go to davidvoncampen.com. Uh, you will see there he is a composer of, of renown. And this is this is my favorite thing. You go there and you'll see uh, like a few uh, lines about, you know, from people, uh, you know, critics uh, talking about his music. You know, the Vancouver Sun called him a standout. Uh, John Washburn, the conductor emeritus of, of the Vancouver Chamber Choir, talked about how his music has an easy musicality, which, mm. you know. And uh, and then there's <laughs> us two goofballs saying, David is the all-time musical genius, way better than Mozart and all those other guys. So, <laughs> and he's got that up there. Uh, so, you know, David, we, we love you. All right, so uh, we have to start, I think, with uh, Fruit Talk, don't you think? Great. Fruit Talk. Yeah, so uh, I thought this week's Fruit Talk, we would talk about, you have said this before on the podcast, but I realize that it has been several years, uh, so I want to get this out there for everybody to understand. What is the correct most delicious grape? Uh, the most de- delicious grape is a very, very crispy red flame seedless grape. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's just it. Now, are, what about the black grapes? What about the green grapes? Black grapes are okay. Green grapes are okay. All grapes, if they're like crispy and fresh, yes. are good. The grape, like the apple, suffers uh, like probably 80% of its value if it goes from crunchy to, to soft. It's, uh, it's it, over. Yeah, it's, over. it's basically over. Like any any grape is good as long as it when you bite it's like as as crispy almost as like a as like a carrot is what yes. you really want. You need you need like a, a you need it to like break cleanly in half if you bite it in half. If it's if it's got any give at all, just pass. It's not worth your time. <laughs> there's a there's another fruit out there that's better. Uh but at, but the among the crispy grapes, the red flame seedless is is king. So delicious. And I would argue in the same way that I would say a total agreement that if a grape is even slightly overripe, just a just even a touch, it is it is not worth your time. Yeah. I would I would make the a similar argument that a perfect grape might be number one. Might yeah, be number one I think in the most I mean, tasty grape foods. It's, considering that this is our ten year anniversary, we've told this story before, but the whole reason we draft things on this podcast is because <laughs> You and I and a couple of our friends went to spring training in Florida more than 10 years ago now. It must yes. be because it was pre-podcast, pre-podcast. And the, we were sitting in the bleachers of a split squad <laughs> game between the Pirates and the Rays. P- and Pir- Right? It was right. Pirates-Rays, right? Yeah. Uh, watching it a was bunch Pirates-Rays. Yeah. Yeah. Guys who ne- like would never make the majors. And, and Manny. And Manny Ramirez. And that Manny was Ramirez. The- <laughs> A big chunky Manny Ramirez out it's there. Right. It was delightful. And we just start, and you just put out the question to the group of what's the best fruit, and we and we uh, had a, well, a vehement argument. Uh, well, the I best remember. part was the other people in our group immediately said, "Who cares?" and left. Like they did not. They, were, they just they were just like, "I'm going to go buy a hat." I mean, they were out, and then yeah. you and I are in there bleachers arguing about strawberries. So yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, it's but but I do believe that we other than obviously the 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 now famous hot fruit disagreement 
we're we're pretty simpatico when it comes to what kind of fruits we like. Yeah, like the most delicious fruit. And and I believe at the time we were making the argument: is it is it a perfect grape or a perfect strawberry as far as what you would want? Uh, you know, in 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 that moment, and uh, you can't go wrong. They're both delicious. Yeah. I see. I remember it as perfect grape number one for both of us, but then I went blueberry, you went strawberry. Oh, that you. I think you're right. Yeah, and, and not to not to argue blueberries, but we we at the time, uh, I I had said the blueberries were too small, and you were like, no, they're big and you need the big you mean you need the big guys yeah you need the big like 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 beautiful kind of like uh hefty almost the size of a grape blueberries and then you're then you're gold yeah that's right no i I, that's 100 percent right all right so so another successful fruit time i I, I gotta say (laughs) fruit talk you (laughs) didn't even get the name (laughs) of the segment right (laughs) fruit whatever it is all right so let's see what's our next segment oh nba check-in All right, so what are we doing for NBA check-in? You know, you've been you've been pretty focused on uh, on on Zion uh, shot charts. That's been- I'm yes, I am obsessed with Zion's shot charts. Um, yes. uh, I'm obsessed with two things right now. The first one is Zion's shot charts, which are uh, a true form of poetry. Like I I. I <laughs> I I'm a, I'm obsessed with him for many reasons. Number one, because he's look he's not alone in the history of the league uh, for having a you know a sixty percent plus shot right. percentage from the floor or from getting you know ninety to uh, to ninety five percent of his shots in a given game from inside the uh, from inside the restricted area basically or 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 the paint but like the like within four feet of the paint of the basket um, but. He is quite certainly uh, the the first guy who's like six six to do that. <laughs> right. Like that that's what's so crazy about this guy is he's he's six six or six seven, and he is unstoppable in the paint in the same way that Shaq and Wilt Chamberlain <laughs> and and seven footers are you know Dwight Howard in his right. prime or whoever. Right. And it is it is truly a, a revelation, and I believe he is an outlier to the same extent. He's an outlier in the two point game in the same way that Steph Curry was an outlier in the three point game. The difference yes. is is that I think that what Steph did, uh, you know, now ten years ago, basically, essentially, um, was replicable at to some degree because the entire game changed right. to Everybody accommodate the three point shooter, and and all these guys started coming up who were just bombing away from three. And there are a lot of guys who shoot 40 plus percent and have, you know, 30 to 35 foot range at this point. Uh, but I don't think what Zion is doing is replicable by anyone. I think he is just an absolute freak of nature who is, who is able to score 25, 26, 28, 30 points a game on all on layups or dunks or alley-oops at his size. It is truly one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. I can't get enough of him. I think he's the most interesting and exciting new kind of weapon that the league has had since Steph. Like, I really, I don't understand how it's possible that he does what he does. He's essentially unstoppable. And at, and he's basically slightly bigger than point guard sized. Yeah, uh, that's and, right. And is still, and it still gets, look at his shot charts. I, they are, there's, I have now a long thread on, on my Twitter <laughs> Uh, that's just his shot charts marveling. And he's he's 
he's shooting like 62 or 63% from the floor. Yeah. And he yeah. only shoots, he shoots maybe one three a game, but mostly he's just like nine of 13 or 10 of 12 or 11 of 14. And they're all layups or dunks. I don't understand how he does it. It's really shocking. It's the, the thing that's so crazy is, I mean, look, he's, he's six, seven or whatever, but he's 300 pounds. I mean, he's a, he's, he's yeah. one gigantic muscle, right? I mean, he's just this, he's, he's a, he, he really is a Terminator type. So you can understand how he pushes people around and, and, and gets position and whatever you can, I mean, maybe some of that makes a little bit of sense. I don't understand how he gets his shot off yeah. in traffic all the time. I, I mean, the, there are people around him, the most skilled players on earth yes. all around him. They're taller than him. Yeah. They have longer reach than him and he gets his shot off every single time. I don't time. know. How he does, does he it do against it? Rudy Gobert and he does it against, you know, Luke Cornett. Uh, and he does it against whoever yeah. he wants and he gets double teamed and he gets and he just he gets the ball and he, he you know when he came up he basically had one move um which was he would drive down the right side of the of the lane spin when he right. was when the guy cut him off he would spin and then lay it up with his left hand and as these yeah. things happen with the greatest players in the world the league very quickly adapted and they they either rolled over uh someone to double team him or to stand in the lane or they just anticipated that move and they adjusted or whatever. And like in a flash, he still, by the way, remember last year, the <laughs> league's schedule was cut way short. Uh, he, you know, right? he didn't play a full season. He's still technically in his rookie year. He still only played like 65 games or something. And, and he has not only has adapted to the league's adaption to him, uh, adaptation to him rather, um, but he has seemingly come up with about, 11 new moves it's not just he has one new move he has like 11 new moves <laughs> and you just watch him yeah. I now essentially never miss a Pelicans game like I watch I watch the Celtics game and then whoever the Pelicans are playing I'll watch them play because I need to see like what kind of crazy Borg-like adaptations he has undergone in order to just destroy anyone who stands in his way and and he's He's going to finish this year having played about 90 games, I guess, in his career. And it is not crazy. He's He can't buy a beer. He's 20 years old. Uh, and he is a legitimate MVP candidate next year. Like, going into next year, he'll be in the top five odds-on favorites to win the MVP of the league. And oh, uh, it's, If they were it's, any good, he'd be yeah. an MVP candidate this year. I mean, you know, I mean, he's... Yeah, he's, he, has, he needs to, like, he has a little bit of... He has work to do... Obviously, because if you are if you have his skill set, which no one else does, but if you right. do, there's no reason to pass the ball. Like if yeah. you get the ball, you then drive and score. But he'll figure out he'll start he'll start figuring out that when he's double and triple teamed that he that his best move is to kick it out to one of the four people on his team who will be wide open. Yes, <laughs> because he he will have drawn the entire team to him in the paint and he'll start his assists a game is i think it's about 4 right now and it'll go to 10 yeah. it'll go to 9 or 10 um in true point guard fashion he will become he'll become James Harden except that in, instead of shooting 73s a game he'll be he'll be shooting he'll 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 get to the point where he has he averages 30 points a game on eight shots oh my god no and he'll be he'll be averaging 30 points a game and shooting 89% cuz like yeah. they'll all be dunks every single yeah. thing will be a dunk yeah, he's incredible. He's incredible. All right, you said you had a second one because I have a question, an NBA question for our NBA expert, which is you. 
Well, my second thing is uh, is white hot fury at the Boston Celtics. <laughs> just just endless white knuckling clenched You're fist so fury. Mad. I am so mad at this team. I do not understand. You know, last night they lost again to the Mavericks. They they so every Celtics game goes the same way. They are down sixteen to seven within four minutes. Like they miss their first nine threes. The other team hits their first six. Right. And they're down. They're down by ten four minutes into every game, and they stay b- down between ten and thirty for 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 until the middle until the end of the third quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter. They make a huge run. Everybody gets really excited. They pull within three, and then they miss seven more threes, and they lose by five. <laughs> it's ex- it's what happens every single time, and. The, the last night they were they missed I think they missed 36 three-pointers I think or maybe 34 I think they were like 10 of 44 or something from three and I simply don't understand I do not understand last night Mike Breen said Mike Breen by the way pause for a second how about a little a brief Mike Breen appreciation uh, for his, he's the best he's, he's he, the best announcer in sports right now. in any sport right yeah, like he right. just absolutely like the like the the most pitch perfect yes. wonderful like a uh, uh, hero he's a he broadcasting hero yeah. um and i so kudos to you mike breen for being great <laughs> but last night mike breen coming back from commercial they were down like 23 or something and he was talking about their season and he said it just feels like something is missing and that's the best possible way to explain it. Like they have Jalen Brown, who's taken a leap this year and is a legitimate all-star, averaging 24, right. 25 a game. They have Jason Tatum, who's been an all-star for three years now and is, you know, he's a top 15 player in the league, sure. top 20 player in the league. They have Kemba Walker, who is rusty, no question, but like has been an all-star in his life. They have a, a bunch of guys that you would consider pretty good defensive players like Tristan Thompson. Uh, they just got Luke Cornett, who's who's 100 feet tall and has right. actually played pretty well and can actually shoot threes. They've got Marcus Smart, who's first-team All-NBA defense uh, a couple years running. And you look at the team on paper, and you're thinking, this is a three-seed. They might not be better than the Sixers. They might not be better than the the Bucks or obviously the Nets. They're like a three- to four-seed. They're barely – they're two games under 500 and are clinging to an eighth-seed right now. And I having they've lost games – so many games against so many teams against Cleveland and Detroit and and New Orleans twice after once after blowing a 25 point lead I think uh they cannot get it going and I it, it is they're the it's the most frustrating team in any sport to watch <laughs> in my memory I really like it's really weird and they keep giving the same press conference after every game they're like you know it will get it going we know it's just it's a, not a question of if but when blah, blah, blah. And like, I've been watching them the whole year. I I don't think they're going to get it going. I just don't. I think there's, I don't understand. I need someone. I need Mike Breen or, (laughs) or someone to tell me what it is that's missing from this team. Well, I'll tell you what's not missing. What's not missing was uh, Evan Fournier. That was, that was what's not missing from this team. So, so this is, so this became my obsession the other day uh, based on, uh, you know, so they get Evan Fournier and you, send a, a, a little uh, text to Brandon and me about how he had this. He, he didn't score, right? He played 30 minutes. 33 minutes, 0 for 10 from the field, 0, 0 for, for 5 from 3. That right. was his and debut, look, yeah. And, and Evan Fournier is a good player. I mean, he's a good NBA player, right? He's I mean, averaging he's, 20 points a game this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, coming off the bench, he was, not, he was not a starter. He was a bench player, and he was right. averaging 20 a game. Right, so he's a good player. So I was sitting there thinking, man, I... 
I bet there haven't been that many people that have scored 30, that have played 30 plus minutes in a game and not scored. It's hard to do. You know, I mean, I mean, I, look, some of those guys who are defensive specialists, I mean, sure, maybe, you know, maybe Grant Hill or, or, or somebody like that. And Shane Battier or Shane Battier, yeah. not Grant Hill, Shane Battier is who I meant. Um, so yeah, so maybe one of those guys. Um, but here's the thing. I went and looked back at Evan Fournier, and Evan Fournier has the most remarkable game, I'm going to say, in NBA history, Mm -hmm. where he played, I think it was 38 minutes, Yeah, scored one point, a field, I mean, obviously a free throw, one point, no rebounds, no assists. Right. And that has never happened. He, He is the only person to have done that. That is extraordinary. I mean, how how does that happen? It's it is. Tr- it's truly remarkable. He had one point. <laughs> I think he had four fouls and two turnovers, or <laughs> vice right. versa. So, forgetting about turnovers and fouls, he did one measurable thing in 37 minutes of gameplay. It's like at some point, aren't you? Isn't doesn't a long three clank off the rim and just accidentally fall right. at your feet and you get or a rebound? Like, or you pass to somebody and they score. You know, just they're out of position and they score, or a ball bounces to you and you get a rebound. Like, I don't understand how you could play that many minutes and not have a rebound, an assist, and a no field goals. One point. Yeah, I mean the the obvious thing to say about the Celtics in general over the last five six years is they had they acquired a record-breaking number of incredibly valuable assets um, yes. through the through the Garnett trade, uh, the Garnett-Pierce trade to the Nets. They got their first-round picks for like 11 straight years, uh, <laughs> and and they were bad, so they had their picks. And like to be fair to Danny Ainge, he has drafted pretty well at times. Yes, he dra- sure. he drafted Jalen Brown, he drafted Jason Tatum, he you know Peyton Pritchard, who is their who's their backup point guard this year, the kid from Oregon looks looks pretty good, like he looks like a legitimate NBA point guard, and and so I I don't want to just I I have defended Danny Ainge many times in my right. life because I think he's generally good, but every year at the trade deadline the same thing happens, which is they are rumored to be in on all these great guys and then something and then afterwards it's like look we got close and we just couldn't pull the trigger because it wasn't you know didn't work out there was a guy this year the guy they needed is Vucevic Vucevic uh uh, was was up for uh for the for the taking from Orlando Vucevic is 6'11 he's a great scorer he averages 11 rebounds a game he's exactly the guy that they need on this team because they have a bunch of wing players and and a and like twelve different guards, and what they don't have is a tall guy who can rebound and score. That's that's what's missing. That is exactly what's missing. Right? How you don't go and and that guy is like in his prime, Vucevic. He's like twenty eight or twenty nine, I think, and he is having the best year of his career. And how you don't when your team is struggling, how you don't go all in on exactly the guy you need at exactly the right moment to kickstart your team. I don't understand it. And may, I mean. Again, it was leaked probably by Danny Ainge that they were close on him, that they made a good offer, that it didn't work out, whatever. I don't no more. I can't take this. Like no more excuses. <laughs> like get the guy. Give up your stuff. You don't need like the thing that they don't need is more assets, you know? And so instead of Vucevic, they get Evan Fournier and then almost in a like metaphorical rebuke of their institutional approach to building their team. Evan Fournier goes over 10 in his first game and they lose. Uh, it's just, it is, again, it is just so frustrating. I, I don't understand it. And you look at the other teams watching the other games around the league, watching the Nets play and watching 
you know, every team in the West, the Trailblazers and the Jazz and the Suns, you're just like, well, it doesn't even matter if they, at this point, if they make the playoffs, they're not getting by any of these teams. They're not, right. they're not getting, you know, once Embiid comes back, they're not getting by the Sixers. They're not getting by the Nets. They're probably not getting by the Bucks who beat them last year. They're not getting by any of these teams. So it's at this point, it's like, just keep losing, just keep losing and try yeah. to get the eighth pick in the draft or something. And I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, it's endlessly frustrating. Right that now. middle, that middle ground in the NBA is the single worst uh, place to be. It's the worst place. Yes. To be. It just, yeah. It's, just... it's like you and the Charlotte Hornets. Yep. And and the, you know and and uh, Atlanta. All those, Atlanta's yeah, always yeah, there. It's yeah. always yeah. there. It's like you're gonna get the 14th pick. You're gonna get a guy who doesn't really matter in the draft, and you're gonna be exactly the same team next year. And like it really is. And that's why, like, Vucevic is your guy. It's because it's like if you can trade all those middling assets for an actual difference maker, an actual star in the league, uh, it makes all the difference. And by the way, it should be noted that they had the largest trade exception of any team in the history that's of the, the NBA. Big, they, had that's 29, the they had $29 million of free money that yeah. they could have used to get. I mean, technically, it was only, I think, 19 or 20 because they used some of it for Tristan Thompson. But it doesn't matter. The point is... They had free money. They had tens of millions of dollars of free money, which you never have in the NBA. You always have to match salary because you, you're at the limit or you're close to the limit. You always have to put together a package of stuff that matches the money from the stuff you're getting. And it's really, really hard to do. And it requires, you know, five team trades. And they didn't have that this year. They had the ability to go to blast through the cap, essentially, and and use this free money to get someone. And they just didn't do it again. And as a result, again, they're going to fall way short of the goal, and and of the the what the the qual the, they're going to fall way short of what a team with their lineup on paper would suggest it should be right. able to achieve. Right. That's what it is. It's like you don't want to have several pieces that are championship pieces no question about it yeah and find yourself in the middle because it's like well how how are you gonna how are you gonna fix this I mean it's it's you know that's where Cleveland was you know in in the when I was I mean I wasn't growing up I was already in my 20s I guess but you know when they had the the Mark Price uh uh Larry Nance uh Hot Rod Williams Brad Doherty uh Ron Harper teams they were they were like they always felt like they were one player away, but they were they were good enough. They weren't going to get that one player, and it's just I think it's it's the NBA to me is the most frustrating place to be. The NFL, if you're in the middle, I don't think that's necessarily that bad. I mean, you can you can jump from the middle to the top fairly easily. I mean, you know, easily. But I mean, you 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 have plenty of opportunities to do it. I think in baseball. Uh, you have opportunities to do it. I, you know, I know there are teams that have sort of stuck around 500 for a while, but generally you have opportunities. If you build your system, you can make a couple of key trades and whatever NBA, you're just stuck because nobody's giving you one of those, one of those like crucial pieces to, for you to go over the top. There's, there's just no, there's no reason for them to do it. And unless you get really lucky, you're not going to get it in the draft. Which is why you make the trade for Vucevic at all costs. Which is that's exactly that's right. why. Right. It's because like right. you know they had the, they had two first round picks last year, and they picked Aaron Neesmith yeah. from Vanderbilt, who has played you know eight minutes a game and right. and is sort of who knows what happens to him. And they and they drafted Pritchard at the end of the first round, who seems like okay, he's a serviceable point guard. Like he's right. not he's never going to be Chris Paul, but like he's a guy who fits into to a championship caliber team as a as a backup point guard. Sure. He's, he hustles and he hits threes and like whatever. 
but like you don't, you're not going to get there by just adding a bunch of Peyton Pritchards. You're going to get right. there by trading for Nikola Vucevic at the trade deadline. That's the only way that this happens. And so the fact that they keep not doing that is inexplicable to me. Like they yeah. just, they are never going to look, look what the net, all the, all the top teams, the Nets and the Lakers, they're adding buyout guys like, <laughs> like, you know, like LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and all, and like, and like that's, and that's just like, these add-ons, those guys yeah. aren't even important to the team, and they're still adding these like former all-stars. That that's exactly why you need an all-star in his prime to even get to the point where you have a hope of competing. The net, the Nets are. We'll save this for next uh, for next week's uh, NBA uh, talk, but uh, check in. Uh, but uh, the Nets are an absurdity. They're, yeah. they're just they're an absolute absurdity. Well, they're going to win. Aren't they going to win the NBA championship? I, mean, I think with, they might. Yeah, I think with, they with Le- might. LeBron and AD, both huge question marks at this yep. point. Like LeBron, not back for five weeks. AD, everybody, the rumors are very are flying about him. About and not how, great, seriously. by the way. Not, there's not, there's, there's not a good momentum to those rumors at all. No. So like you take the Lakers out of the West and then you, you st- look, you've still got the Clippers. You've still got the Jazz who are really good. The Suns are really good. Like that no one's paying attention to the Suns, but the Suns are really good. They're really good. Yeah. And then and you've still got if if Embiid comes back, which it seems like he will, you've still got the Sixers who have, you know, Embiid is is has sort of taken over the mantle as the least guardable player in the league <laughs> at this point. Yeah. yeah. And you've still got the Bucks who who are dangerous every year and I think have the best point differential in the East at this point. But but the Nets have been doing this essentially without Kyrie and without Durant. I know. And so when you're talking about these top teams getting their guys back and healthy for the playoff run, who, what is better than adding a, a, a full-time Kyrie and Kevin Durant is, hasn't been playing? It's wild. And, and they're doing it because James Harden has gone from the least watchable and, and most annoying player in the league to one of the most watchable and most exciting players in the league just by, instead of chucking up 17 threes a game, deciding to pass. That's literally what yeah. he's done now. Yeah. He's decided to pass. He's leading the league in assists as he has done before. But this year he has truly become like, I'm just a point guard now. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm going to score like 19 or 20 a game and or more if I have to. And I'm going to just be the best passer in the league. And it is thrilling to watch. It really is thrilling to watch that guy. He's he's so good. Look, I, I've, I've loved the guy for a long time. But I don't want to go into too deep into the Nets because I want to save that for our next NBA check-in. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond, from iconic plays and arenas to the impact players have in the community. That's the NBA. That's game. Like in the NBA Finals when the Bucks had their backs against the wall. Drew Holiday steals the ball, pushes the break, alley hoop to Giannis for an iconic slam, seals game five, and the eventual title. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login (laughs) for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. 
and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Yes, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Because we have one more segment we have to hit before we get into baseball. And that is, of course, the classic segment, Science Appreciation. Science Appreciation Celebration. I, th- I think obviously that's where we got to go. And I have my, I have a science appreciation. Great. Uh, you know, which is, it's an obvious one, but, but I have to say, uh, I have been uh, half vaccinated now. I, I got my half vaccine uh, yesterday. So we're doing this on Thursday. I, Congratulations. I got vac- thank you. Thank you. I know you have been vaccinated fully, which is, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And while I was getting the vaccine, uh, you know, I got it in a an old basketball gym that they turned into a uh, into a a center, a vaccine center, and it, and you know there were I don't know thirty people there working. I would say thirty, maybe forty people working. Different sections. You had the people checking you in, and you had the people who were administering the shots, and then you had the people who were checking you out, and then you had various other people sort of running the line and making sure everything was going. I don't know, thirty or forty people. It was like a miracle. I mean, obviously, these people have been doing this now for a while. They get you in and out in 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It was mm-hmm. it was an absolute miracle. And I was looking around and I was thinking about how, how difficult it's been for so many of us these last few years, sort of feeling like, oh, there's so much division in this country. What we can't. We can't overcome this. We just we just can't stand each other. We it all depends on where you stand on this issue or that issue or this person or that person. And it's just and I looked around and I just thought, man, this is us too. Why can't this is like I was so inspired and obviously feeling great about getting vaccine, uh, but I was so inspired. Think about a year ago where we started to now not only for them to have come up with a vaccine, which is the miracle. I mean, the science miracle beyond belief to this point where we, you can go out and you can get it. And pretty soon, I mean, we're really days away in most of the country from everybody being eligible to get it. And I just thought, my gosh, okay, we can do this. I mean, this is, you know, you always hear those great stories or, you know, inspiring stories about America after Pearl Harbor, you know, lining up and becoming like the greatest, you know, builder of, of weapons and history of the world. And, and obviously that's war and it's terrible. And, and it feels like that's what has happened here. And I don't know, it just, it just made me feel so good and, and like better than I felt in forever, you know? Yeah. I I, I mean, the, the, when you think about the fact that like even 20 or 30 years ago, what would have happened is this disease would have shown up and it would have killed you know, half a million people in a year. And then what would be happening now is everyone going, well, you know, hang in there. (laughs) Like, like just, 
wear keep wearing masks forever and yeah um and hope for the best and uh, you know it's going to kill another half million people next year and it'll probably kill a half million people after that and maybe by you know 5 years in or 8 years in we'll have a a decent you know we'll have some better treatments but we we might have a vaccine in you know 8 years after the onset of the disease but it would have taken a decade of everyone's life and to have after one year how many different companies six seven eight i can't even remember internationally to each have independently solved like mapped the genome of the virus come up with a come up with a vaccine tested it having it have it be between you know 75 and 95 percent successful in every case like i mean obviously some of them didn't pan out but like eight of them did and now we're just like every single day, three million people are getting a shot, and a third of the of the country is vaccinated a year after the onset of the disease. It is, you know, my friend Alan Yang, uh, who you know, sure. um, is uh, is an, a sort of an eternal optimist. And in my most pessimistic uh, moments, when I'm like the the world is screwed, we're just dead, we're all dead, <laughs> the, everything's terrible, nothing's getting better. He he's always like, hey man, every year the world is better than it was before. Like it's, it's, you, it's hard to see sometimes because there's a lot of stuff in the world that's really miserable and, and makes you depressed. But like, you know, he, he's very fond of talking about the fact that like his life is better than King Tut or any, any like Egyptian Pharaoh (laughs) or any King of France, like, you know, Louis, Louis Couture's at Versailles had a much, much, much worse life than the average American does because the average American has a refrigerator and running water and uh, and a toilet and air conditioning and abundant food and uh, that's pretty cheap. You know, you can buy a steak for five bucks. Like the, the, the progress is sometimes harder to see in the face of all of the bad stuff that that floods the the internet and 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 is real. It's not like it's not real. Like oh, the, there is of so course. much bad stuff, of course. But like his point is that science and technology have have made it so that the kinds of things that really really on a global basis um, are threats are are at least in theory solvable and that includes the very worst problems that that threaten all of us now obviously there's also global threats that are existential and terrifying global warming and and uh, and all that sort of stuff but his point is like there those problems are now there's people who are who have the who have the resources and the technology to solve those problems and very often they do and it's really hard to remember that because all you're thinking about is the death and destruction and and sadness of this disease, which is enormous. It's almost too big to wrap your arms around at this point. But given the fact that it's just a thing that occurred and that affected everybody on the planet, the fact that a year after it happened, we have a solution is really yeah. remarkable. And it, and I getting a, getting a vaccine shot like brought me to tears. It was yeah, it too. was that sort of emotional. And uh, because you were just thinking, like, I can't believe that we did this. This is this is going to the moon times a hundred. This it. That's right. It's it's really That's like right. a it's really a, a a remarkable thing that humanity has has done. I you know the moon thing is. I'm glad you said that because that honestly was my thought as I was sitting there. You know, you wait a few minutes, fifteen minutes after you get the shot to make sure you don't have any uh, any you know anything happen. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and honestly, that's what I was thinking. It is like going to the moon, but instead of 
like one person going to the moon. It's all of us. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's I mean, that's that's what's so extraordinary. And look, I, I know there are a lot of people out there that have not had the opportunity yet, but it seems to be coming very, very fast. And and uh, it really was. It was I think if, if I just sum it up, it was more emotional than I thought it was going to be. Like, yeah. I knew I was going to be thrilled. I mean, like, I'm so ready to get some sort of normalcy back into life. And 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 this is this is going to speed that up. I mean, it's incredible. But it really was emotional just to think we did this as a as a people. We, you and I, had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Mm-mm. We 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 cannot do things. But but uh, we as humanity did this, and and uh, it's too meaningful. I realize this is too meaningful for the podcast, and I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's I'm, not too, it's not too meaningful for science appreciation segment. That's right. That's why we have the science appreciation segment with the delightful music from David von Campen. So. Uh, all right, so now let's go ahead and and do okay. And one more time, we will ask you if you don't want to know what's going to happen in the twenty twenty one season. If you want to be surprised, um, you know, I I would suggest turning us off right now. I, that's just I, I know mo- most podcast hosts don't tell you to do that, but I don't want this to ruin the season for you. You know, I if, yeah. If, if you're somebody who likes surprises, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry. I mean, we're. I mean, look, we'll be off by one point seven percent if history is any is any proof. So I guess yeah, that. D- don't bet on everything that we're about to say because you will one point seven percent of what we say will be wrong. We're going to start in the National League West because I think that's going to be the most uh, difficult division uh, to for us to to uh, to um, predict. Um, okay, seriously, the Dodgers. Okay, so in your town, you are in L.A. and mm-hmm. in your town. There are people, uh, including newspaper people, including your old friend, Bill Plaschke, who are just flat out saying that this Dodgers team is the best team that has ever existed. W- where does old school Mike Schur stand on that? It's hard to argue. Nah, it's um, crazy. That it's hard to argue, at least before the season starts. I mean, think of, think about it this way. Before their offseason additions, which are <laughs> significant. <Absurd. laughs> That last year in 60 games, they were 43 and 17, and they had a 136 run positive run differential in 60 games. Yeah. 136 run difference in 60 games. I mean, do some quick math and figure out what that is. That's a 300 run differential or something. Uh, and then they went out and got the best pitcher available. Yep. They they lost who they lost Jock Peterson who lost Jock Peterson and Enrique Hernandez so they did yes lose they, they lost Kike who went to the Red Sox which is great because I love watching Kike play and I'm it's happy so that in what is sure to be a very boring and middling <laughs> Red Sox season it'll be fun to watch him um, and Jock Peterson has had an incredible spring he's arguably had the best spring of anybody yeah um, but they the, what they added to their team more than makes up for what they lost. <laughs> So it's a it's a hundred and it's a hundred and thirty six run differential team in sixty games that got way better and specifically yeah. got better in pitching. I mean, we we were talking about this on our text thread with Brandon. They have three guys who are going to be in their bullpen who would be number one or number two starters for almost every other team in the league. <laughs> That's exactly right. It, it is it is truly shocking how good their pitching is, and they can suffer injuries to three of their best starters and essentially not miss a beat in terms of how, how, in terms of the team they throw out against any other team on any given day. So it's really hard to not say the Dodgers are going to, are going to win 112 games and run away with this thing. 
the the of course the wrinkle is the Padres are also yes. really, really, really good, good, and they have to play the Padres 19 <laughs> times. And it's hard not to imagine the Padres winning 100 games, frankly, and being so really competitive. Too. They're so good. So you basically, in this division, you have probably, on paper, the two best teams in all of baseball in the same division, and then three teams that will be under 500. That's really what you're looking at. Well, and the, how can those three teams be anything up other than under 500 when they've got to play, you know, 38 30, games, 38 games <laughs> against those two yeah. teams? Look, let's let's talk. Let's talk, let's break down that that Dodger pitching staff for just a minute, because, you know, in over the years, there have been a few teams like that 2011 Phillies team that came along after after they got Halliday and Cliff Lee. Uh, then you were like, okay, this this is as good as it gets right there. Mm-hmm. You have Halliday, you have Lee, you had Roy Oswald, um, you had Cole Hamels. I mean, it was like, all right, this is this is as good as it gets. But it really isn't because you don't have literally seven starting pitchers that that any team in baseball would not only have room for on their rotation, but like you say, would be a number one or number two. So you let's say you start with Trevor Bauer. Okay, mm-hmm. so they, they get Trevor Bauer. You could start with him. Uh, Trevor Bauer is the, you know, returning Cy Young. Obviously, it was a short season. He's a kook. You never really know what you're going to get from him. Is he going to be, like, he's going to be good, but is he going to be uh, unhittable? Is he going to be kind of a, you know, weird, flaky, you know, middling guy? I don't know. Uh, but let's say you start with him, all right? So in a normal circumstance, you'd be like, well, Trevor Bauer has to deliver for this team to be good, right? You're, you're going, if, if Trevor Bauer isn't your number one, uh, your, your team is going to take a big hit. Except Walker Bueller is probably better than Trevor Bauer. I think That's Walker right. Bueller is better than Trevor Bauer, in fact. So now you have Walker Bueller. Okay, so Trevor Bauer flakes out. And Walker Bueller is not going to flake out. He's unbelievably good. So he's your number one starter, except... You have Clayton Kershaw, who That's last right. year decided he was like, oh, yeah, I'm back. I'm I'm Clayton Kershaw again. I, I don't know why you guys thought I was gone. And, by the way, uh, let me just destroy this postseason nonsense thing once yeah. and for all. All right, so now you have Clayton Kershaw. Oh, but you also have uh, uh, Julio Arias, mm-hmm. and he's amazing and really, really, really good. The uh, the absolute star of the postseason for them was on the, was on the mound appropriately when they clinched because right. he, he was like, he was, a, he, was a, he was a super reliever in that series who was, who was unhittable. Right. By the way. And he was a super reliever because they, the rotation is so ridiculous. I mean, that guy starts for everybody mm-hmm. and is number one starter for most teams. All right. Then you have uh David price. You just have him. You just, it's like, Oh yeah, they got David price. He could pitch too mm-hmm. for them. He's oh, in their but, bull. He's in their bullpen. Don't worry. Right. No, that's right. But well, he's only in their bullpen because they've got Dustin May, right? Who is amazing and and like the the, the number one pitching prospect in baseball when he was when he was in the minors or one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. And you also have Tony Gonsolin. Mm-hmm. This is it's an absurdity. It's absolutely ridiculous and absurd. Yeah, and you haven't mentioned Blake Trinan, who they who they picked up. You haven't well, because mentioned... they're just gonna put him in the bullpen, right? That's I mean, right. He's in like, the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> they still have Joe Kelly, who who is up and down, but is you know was it has been incredible. They've right. Kenley Jansen, who is now like past his prime, no question, but like is still Kenley Jansen. You That's have right. you have Gratterall, who's who throws 110, and who was in that <laughs> he was in the trade originally that the Red Sox made with them before. Uh, they the Red Sox got worried about his shoulder or something, and so he dropped out of the trade. 
Uh, and then in what, when pitching for the Dodgers just did nothing but throw 104 and, bl- right. and blow everybody out of the water. Um, they have Scott Alexander. Who's very good. Like they've just, they, their, their pitching staff, um, it features essentially, you would say eight quality starters and not just quality, but like very, very high quality starters. And then, a, and then a stacked bullpen, uh, stacked partially with guys who would be starters for any other team and partially with just straight up relievers who are themselves great. I, I'll be interested to know whether Kenley is actually the closer. Oh, like that, by the end that, of the year. By the end of the year. I mean, he, he is now whatever. He's 35, 34, 35. He's, his, you know, his, he's lost a couple miles an hour on his fastball. He's much more hittable than he used to be. And they have guys like Gratterall and, and, and Urias who, who could be a closer. If you want to make him a closer, go ahead. He is unhittable. <laughs> um, I, 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 that's the one question is like, who is actually, who's, who's pitching the ninth inning? And I don't know the answer to that, but also does it really matter? They're going to be up eight to one in every game anyway. So by the way, like, by the way, do you not just have this feeling? I, at least I do. I just have this feeling that Corey Knable's just going to end up being like this unbelievable superstar that he was two or three years ago sure. before he got hurt. Like that'll just happen. Like he's, he's just, there's, they're like, Oh yeah, that guy's on this team. He's like, we'll, we'll, we'll pitch him when we're up by eight. And like, th- there was that time with the Brewers when he was like the most unhittable guy in baseball, right? Yeah. He had that, he had that one ridiculous pitch that nobody in baseball could, they just have him. They, he just happens to be on the team as does Brandon Morrow, by the way, just happens yeah. to be on the team. Well, also the scary thing about all these guys is like Bowers 30, Bueller is 27, Gonsolin's 27, right. you know, like you know, Kershaw and, and, and Kel, uh, and, um, uh, Kenley are are you know over the slightly over the hill, but like Dustin May is what 24, 25? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right. like, right. like twenty four, twenty five, like I think he's twenty three. Yeah, Urias is twenty five or something like or twenty four. Like they, it's not like these guys are are uh, high injury risk or over the hill or anything. <laughs> no. And then okay, so then so you have all that, and then you have they have two excellent catchers. Um, right. Will Smith is probably the best young catcher, uh, youngish catcher. Certainly in, the best hitting catcher. In, yeah, gosh. absolutely. Gavin Lux came up in the middle of last year, right? He's 23 or 24 <laughs> or something, and he's you know he's incredible. They they re-signed Turner, who's who's older now, obviously, but is still is still great he's defensively. Still really great. And they yeah. still have Seager. Seager still hasn't left. They still have Max Muncie. <laughs> they they have their outfield is Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts and AJ Pollock with Chris Taylor backing them up. I mean, it is it's an absurdity. The the team is an absurdity. There's there's kind of no way that they don't and uh, barring the flukiest possible series of flukes they they're going to run away with the division. They're going to run away with the league. They're going to win the World Series again. The only thing that can stop them, I would say, is a bunch of injuries, which is always a problem, and the the Padres truly making the the leap that we think they might make. Um, they were plus eighty four in sixty games last yeah, year, so it's great. not it's not like they were any slouch. Um, so you know, there's in a short series, anything can happen, and you, there is a scenario where where the the Padres end up knocking them off. But man, oh man, that Dodgers team! Woo! It's it's they're they're they're. It's obscene. I mean, you know, because we talked about that pitching staff, and you're right. I mean, they've got an all-star, potential all-star at every position. Uh, You know, Gavin Lux is a guy that really interests me because you talk about sort of how easy it is to forget how many good players they have on that team. 
I mean, he was, in in some people's views, the number one prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came up in the middle of last year and get, did nothing uh, in his in his brief time up to suggest that he's, like, not really good. You know what I mean? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, he, he struggled, you know, a little bit at the plate. But it wasn't like anybody watched him and went, oh, yeah, that guy's not going to be any good. I mean, he's... I don't know if he's going to be a superstar this year, but I, I bet on him becoming a superstar, period. And... You know, Seager could win the MVP, and 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 Mookie obviously could win the MVP, and Bellinger could win the MVP. I mean, this is uh, they're they're absurd. Yeah, they're I mean, absurd. Gavin Lux has played a total of about forty games of baseball. Oh, that's like, it. You know, yeah. he's he's he hasn't done he hasn't had the chance to even show off what he can do. No, but he is incredible defensively by all accounts, and is is still one of the top hitting prospects in baseball. And and you have you have to think that playing every day in the middle of that lineup is is gonna be a joy for for anyone. <laughs> uh, he's twenty three years old, by the way. He's he's yeah, like twenty three years old. That's it's what I mean. uh, it's wild. I mean, again, we should talk about the Padres because this is the only chance. Well, the, that they, the Padres they, yeah. I really want to talk about is the left side of that infield and and where that's gonna place potentially in baseball history. Because I mean, you have. Fernando Tatis uh, Jr. at shortstop, and you have Manny Machado at third base. And, man, I cannot think of another team that had two electrifying players like that at shortstop and at third. Yeah. That that feels to me like – and they're both – you know, I mean, Machado's not that young anymore, but he's not old yet. He's like 29. He's, that's he's what still, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tatis is, is absurd. I mean – Look, you and I have talked about this many times, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Nobody's catching Mike Trout for a while as the best player in baseball. I mean, the guy's just on this other level. But if there was an ex-player, best player in baseball, like the guy that you would say, okay, it's going to be this guy from the young group, I mean, it's Tatis or Juan Soto, right? I mean, those are the two guys that, that you know, no offense to Ronald Acuna Jr. also could be in that group. But what can't Fernando Tatis Jr. do? Nothing. No, it's it's wild, and it's hard to imagine a single ground ball being hit to the left of second base that <laughs> that reaches the outfield, at, at, ever. Like I, it, the the you know Machado now going back to his original and best position, yes, um, guarding that line and making those crazy throws from foul territory to get guys at first, and Tatis just doing everything he does. I mean, he is injured, which is scary. Like that injury is scary to me that yes. he hurt his yes. shoulder and and you know it's a, there's a little bit of a question mark there but i mean that's ridiculous to have those two guys i mean that is that's the starting that he's Tatis Jr is starting the All-Star game at short Machado's probably starting it at third and and that will be true for three more years or four more years um and then uh, that's that's the biggest thing about that team is those two guys but then they they have you Darvish and they have Blake Snell. They got Blake Snell. Like they I like their their pitching can it can't quite go man for man with the Dodgers, but it's not far away from from where the Dodgers are in, in terms of like every single day they have a chance to win. They they don't seem to have a weakness um, in anywhere that matters, and that is a uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to have the Padres matter in the way that they currently matter. The, the Padres are a good team, though, in the way that we have come to understand what good teams look like, which is they're really loaded, mm-hmm. but you could see ways for it to go bad, right? Like you, Darvish, doesn't pitch as well as you hope, and, and Blake Snell, we all know, is sort of, 
you know, he's he's a wild card. I mean, he can be absolutely incredible. And he, but like he was when he when he won the Cy Young. But he, but he's he's not. You know, he, he's also not really been all that good in the other years that that he was. You know, it, it's you got a little bit of a wild card. Joe Musgrove is a very good pitcher. Lamette is is an amazing talent and who's had some injuries. Um, so you look and Mackenzie Gore is a super duper prospect, right? So you look, those type guys could make up as good a rotation as anybody, including the Dodgers, right? It could happen mm-hmm. or it could kind of go wrong. And, and then you look at their lineup and, and without, you know, Tatis and Machado are, are incredible, but then it's like, well, there's, you know, it's Hosmer and right. the outfield, the outfield is like Tommy Pham is like your two hole hitter, or which something. we love, which we yeah. love, by the way, this great opportunity for uh, Marissa to play the Tommy Pham update uh, song right here. <laughs> It's the Tommy Fam update. No, but Tommy Fam is fine, and you know Trent Grisham, I think, is 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 good. Will Myers has been, you know, we all know what he is. It could be fine. It could be good. It could be great. That's sort of the way we've come to see baseball. That's what makes the Dodgers so weird. There's no. It can't be just fine. It can't yeah. be just good because no matter how many injuries they have they'll find they've got other players that that they're just like a new brand of team in my yeah opinion. and and right there's a version of the Padres season where suddenly in a in a sort of like division or playoff drive they're relying on Drew Pomerantz for big starts right and right. you're like oh what how did this happen like uh, why okay like it yet yes there's absolutely an 88 win version of this team that is, is kind of disappointing is. and and where Tatis you know, because of an injury or whatever, he he only hits. You know, he hits two ninety with twenty five home runs instead right. of three thirty with forty five home runs and and, the, and sixty stolen bases. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. So I yes, it's it's true. It's it, but it's it would be it will be really fun to watch that division if uh, if they if the Padres like hit their 90th percentile projection yes. and the Dodgers hit their 70th percentile projection. That'll be a fun. It'll be a fun season. I love I love that. Is there really anything to say about the other three teams in the division? Uh, they exist. <laughs> they all have stadiums that they play in. They, the Giant Stadium is quite lovely. Giant Stadium is lovely. I've lovely. been to the Rocky Stadium. I, I enjoy the Rocky. It's I a very nice it. stadium. Yeah. Arizona, uh, the, not. I don't the, love that stadium. It's fine. No, the 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 Diamondbacks uh, are an ex. They're an extant. <laughs> franchise uh Bumgarner pitches for them now right so that's kind of interesting like that's weird that's it's weird, really weird and and yeah. disorienting uh <laughs> I don't know that's they'll they'll win some games over the course of the season they and have, also lose some they will lose some uh Stephen Vogt catches for them now that's kind of interesting yeah, remember Stephen yeah. Vogt from the A's I do. <laughs> He's on the Diamondbacks now. <laughs> it's. I did. So I for the uh, for the Athletic, I wrote a letter from spring for for every team uh, through the series. So you can actually see all thirty of them now because they're all up. And uh, for each team, I put a wait. That guy plays for this team now. And every team has one of those guys at mm-hmm. least one. Some have several of those guys where you're just like, wait, what? Like, like I don't care how closely you follow baseball. It doesn't make sense that Stephen Vogt plays for for you know them. It's like or Joaquin what? Soria, yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's yeah, like, it was like, like it's a bunch it of 
He's on all these, isn't he on the Royals? He's on the Diamondbacks? <laughs> yeah. That's one of the great things about baseball. Every year you're watching a game in April and you're like, wait, really? Oh, <laughs> like, how did that happen? And the great <laughs> thing is there are a bunch of those guys who weren't even acquired. They were acquired last year. But because last year was so weird, none of us were paying attention. So right. it's sort of like, oh, wait. Oh, I guess he's on that team. You know, mm-hmm. that's, I guess that right. makes sense. I cannot get used to uh, at all. Uh, Evan Longoria being on the Giants. And I think he's been on the Giants for a while now, and I can't get used to that. Yeah. Evan Longoria feels like the guy who you were, was like, oh, he's a Hall of Famer. And then he just kind of settled into this, like, better than average, right. like, solid player. Like, and like he, you know, like, good. He's, like, a very yeah. good major leaguer. But he just, he, like, he plateaued a lot earlier than I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to, when he first came up, I thought he was going to be a, a perennial sort of, like, upper upper tier upper caliber oh, yeah. player. Those first those first three or four years you thought this guy's gonna win an MVP. He's yep. gonna be, you know, and he he's been a really good player. I mean he's he's definitely been a really good player, but you do look at him and just at the end of the day and you go, eh, it didn't it didn't, didn't quite turn didn't out. Quite, it didn't, didn't quite achieve out. uh launch velocity. Yeah. Exactly. All right. All right let's go to the National League Central, uh where our favorite team, the St. Louis Cardinals did what the St. Louis Cardinals <laughs> always do. Always, always. always. Uh, every single time. Every single season we talk about the Cardinals and go, okay, the Cardinals are, they're just kind of okay. They're this, they're fine. They're and then they're like, no, we now we have Nolan Arenado. And I'm like, yeah. wait, how did you get Nolan Arenado? No, no, we got him. We got him. We made yeah. a trade. Don't did worry about it. We just good got for him? him. Yeah. Did you trade anybody good for him? No, no, not really. No, nope. a few pro- some prospects, prospects. Are they good prospects? No, don't worry about it. It's yeah. fine. We're the Cardinals. Don't just don't stop asking questions. We have Nolan Arenado now. Don't worry about it. I, every year when they got Paul Goldschmidt, we had this exact conversation. Like, yep. how did they get Paul Goldschmidt? That doesn't make sense. It's like it started with like he was actually didn't start, but Matt Holiday was a guy yes. I remember being like, how did they get Matt Holiday in his kind of in his prime? Like, it is really wild. They are they just have this knack. For when when a guy like that becomes available and there's 11 teams that are like, man, Arenado would really make the difference for us. It's always the Cardinals. Always. It's really wild that they that they keep doing that. It's really absolutely. I mean, all credit to uh, to to that uh, front office, because, man, they you know, they're they they yeah, they always are. You know, everybody knows about the whole Cardinal way, this, that and the other. But the thing is. They pull the trigger like yeah. a bunch of other GMs sit around and they're like, oh, well, maybe if we can get, can you give it, throw in that A ball prospect or whatever? And then the Cardinals are just like, no, just give it to him. Just give it to we, him. We we'll just, draft because yeah, we they have such faith in their ability to draft, which they yeah. should after 20 years of drafting really well. <laughs> uh, it's it's crazy. They're the opposite of Danny Ainge. They, they really are. Like <laughs> they, really they just, are. they always pull the trigger. They never, they never come up short in the, in terms of getting a guy who matters. And no. as a result, like they're going to win this division, don't you think? Well, that's the thing. I think they will too. Do you think? I mean, is that is? I wouldn't call it a lock. Uh, I don't think that division is very good, even no. with them. I don't think they're even going to win a lot of games. Uh, but I think they're going to win enough. The question is, do the Cubs have enough left to me? Because I don't. I mean, look, Milwaukee will always be kind of what they are, which is, I mean, they might make a run. I guess uh, Cincinnati looked like a little bit last year. They showed a little promise, but that. No Bauer, that 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 seems to have gone away. Pittsburgh is, might be the worst team in baseball. So, um, do the Cubs have enough? I don't know. I mean, the the thing about the Cardinals is, is that they have a lot of guys that you've heard of, right? They have Goldschmidt and they have Arenado, obviously, and they have Matt Carpenter. 
and they have Yadi Molina, and they have Adam Wainwright, and they have Jordan Hicks, and Jack Flaherty. But like, if you really drill down, you're like, well, Andrew Miller's 36, and right. what does he have left? And Wainwright's 40, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and Wainwright, by the way, had you not assumed that Adam Wainwright retired like six years ago? I mean, ago? I would have thought he was already in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> and and like Yadi Molina's almost 40 like it, oh yeah and yeah. and so when you when you actually drill down it, it's like yes they have the names and in the same way that the Cubs have the names right but the Cubs names are younger and they're closer to their prime and if you had to bet on Chris Bryant or Paul Goldschmidt having like a an MVP caliber year at okay. this point who would you bet on that's a great question I who would you bet on I would 100% bet on Chris Bryant I think that's right. I think yeah. that's right. That could make the difference. In the yeah, division. and so I it, and also like you're you're a professional sports writer. How many how many Cardinals outfielders can you name? Oh, none. <laughs> I mean, you know, Lou, Lou yeah. Brock. They have Lou. Well, they, they have, have Lou Brock. <laughs> they, right. And Matt Holiday. <laughs> Lou Brock and Matt Holiday. The the, the Cubs yeah. outfield. The, the Cardinals outfielders listed on their on their official home site are Dylan Carlson, Austin right. Dean. Tyler O'Neill and Justin Williams, and <laughs> well, I don't. They have, they have Harrison Bader, right? They have Bader is hurt, I guess. I but, guess, uh... but I don't know any of those four people, and I follow <laughs> baseball pretty closely. So, and, and I'm sure that's on me. Uh, whatever. No, but it's like, not on you. They're not. None of them are, are are have have shown to be good. They might be good, but they haven't shown yeah any and, any uh, goodness yet. I mean, the Cubs did win the division last year. Like the, the, they they did. You know, um, they did. So. And you could name the Cubs outfield. I mean, yeah. the Cubs outfield, you could, especially now they have Jock Peterson. I mean, well, that's Peterson, Jock Happ, and, and Hayward, right? Jock and Jason Hayward and Ian Happ. That's right, yeah. And Mariznick, I just looked it up. But Mariznick, yes. I, I know who that is. You yes. know? Um, and they still have Rizzo, and they still have Chris Bryant, and they still have Javi Baez, and they still have Wilson Contreras, and they it's still have Kyle Hendricks, right? Kyle Hendricks and, and, uh, and Jake Arrieta for whatever that's well, worth. Well, they still which, have Jake Arrieta. That's not as good, that's I, I not as good right? That's, but, like, it's, I think it's a toss-up between these, I mean, this this isn't a bold uh, prediction, but it, it seems like a toss up. Those are the those are the two teams that you could imagine coming out of that division, and then you and that it is literally impossible to imagine either of those two teams beating either the Dodgers or the Padres in the playoffs. Right, that's right, that's right. I, look, I the thing that's interesting to me about the Cubs is that team could go very right or very wrong, mm-hmm. and I think the the key guy is exactly the guy you said, Chris Bryant. If Chris Bryant like returns to his younger form, his true younger form, right. MVP form, they're a pretty good team. I mean, I you know, because now suddenly it's like you don't need Rizzo to be anything other than Rizzo. You don't need Baez. You know, Baez doesn't have to become the MVP candidate that he was. He could just become a good player. Uh, if you get a great, you know, anything out of Kimbrel, if you get, you know, the You won't, by the staff, way, you won't. Don't give, give up on that. Kimbrel's right, going to so be, Kimbrel will be released halfway <laughs> through the year. There's all no right, chance. So you, this, is, this is bold prediction. Craig Kimbrel will not be pitching for the Cubs at the end. I, I think they're going to end up wave. I think he's just done. It's really it's, weird, isn't it? He's, again, he's not that old. No, he's, no, he's not. He's, I mean, he's 30, right? He's I mean, 33. Look, I would say oh, he's okay. 33. But, like, he was basically done in 2018. Like, the Red Sox in that yeah. magic year hung on by a thread, beca- <laughs> largely because, you know, that, that catch that uh, Benintendi made and left against the Astros was a game saving catch because Kimbrell had just walked everybody <laughs> and almost lost that series for them, even though they ended up winning in five games. But like that, it, every time he pitched, everybody was, was clutching the edge of their seat. 
Um, and yeah, he's, I mean, they, and Hendricks, who knows, <laughs> Hendricks throws 86 and is, and it always seems to be hanging on by a thread, he like finds, but he finds a way. Here's the thing I don't understand. Okay. So in 2000, all right. For the, for the Red Sox in 2017. Okay. And, and like you say, he wasn't by then he was, well, he was, he was good in 2017. It was 18 that he struggled. All right. He averaged his fastball was 98 miles an hour and he was throwing a hundred with regularity. And that fastball was pretty close to unhittable that mm-hmm. year. Okay. Last year, he was still throwing 97 miles an hour. It's not like that fastball is like, and that fastball suddenly was like, oh yeah, give it to me. I'm going to absolutely destroy it. Now he's not throwing significantly slower. Um, but yet somehow there's, there's some difference in movement or, or something, I don't know, but man, he suddenly it's it's not good. Or he's tipping his pitches or something. I don't know. I mean, in 2019, the league hit he, he like the league almost always hit about 150 off of him. Right. It right. was you know 152, 140, 146. In 2019, they hit 259 off of him. That's yeah. not that's not good. It's <laughs> and, not good. That's not yeah. good. When you throw 100 miles an hour, that's not good. Yeah, I don't that's... know. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm sure that like someone who could someone who who un, truly understands baseball would explain it uh, where it's just like he can't hit his spots he leaves everything over the middle he his breaking ball doesn't have the same bite i don't know what it is but he i mean it, it, it's a little shocking that they re-signed him frankly i mean maybe I they, maybe they think they can rebuild him or teach him a new pitch or whatever but yeah he's uh, he's it's 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 hard i mean those guys those guys careers can go you can when you're a reliever, you can go from utterly unhittable to utterly hittable in a flash. It really, it can go real fast. Uh, and it happened with him. It happens with relievers. It's really, yeah. really interesting. I don't think there's uh, much else to say about this division other than I do want to mention Christian Yelich with the Brewers. Um, you know, I loved what they did by just saying, we're going to, we're, we are absolutely going to be, Christian Yelich is going to retire a Brewer. They yeah. just, you know, off of, off of, you know, a couple of years, uh, great years, incredible years, but they were like, you know what? This is a perfect match. And I don't, it probably will be having like this discussion when we, when we're predicting the 2025 season or whatever, we're going to be like, man, Christian Yelich is really crushing them with his salary. Right. I mean, like, like that seems like the inevitable ending, but I don't want that to be the inevitable ending. I want to say right away, good on the Brewers, man. I mean, yeah. that's what that's what the Red Sox didn't do. It's what Cleveland didn't do with 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 uh, with um, uh, why Lindor. Am I his name Lindor. Yeah. Uh, and and man, I I love that they did that. I mean, they're the Brewers. That is that is not exactly a flush team, and and yet they're like. We're keeping Christian Yelich. Yeah. And Yelich is a part of who we are. I, I love it. I loved it too. There the the thing that makes the Brewers fun to watch this year is outfield defense to me. Oh like, my gosh. But Yelich, Locane, and Jackie Bradley Jr., my <laughs> beloved so Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, <laughs> makes that outfield really uh incredible to watch. And and you know, look, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna be great or anything they're not gonna they could win that division it's not impossible it is that's what i was about to say they it is entirely possible if everything breaks right that they have this sort of like look their their pitching is is um, made better by the fact that no ball hit in the air anywhere in the outfield will (laughs) will 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 be will fall in for a hit uh and you know they might have just enough you know they still have hater 
right? So like they there's there's just enough kind of like talent on this team to make the if everything breaks right, they could totally win the central and then lose not in four games to the Dodgers in the playoffs, but in three games because it will be so decisive <laughs> that after three games they'll just they'll wave it off like a little league game after the third inning and just it's 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 fine. We'll just you guys go ahead and we'll you guys uh, go. We yeah. just pass. Just go. Just it's fine. It's fine. You just go. All right. You know what the 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 National League East I think is is the toughest division in in baseball and. Uh, I actually really, really love that Atlanta team. I, I just, I just think that team is really good. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not quite in that Dodgers uh, category, but they're, they're in that Padres category. They're really, really good, and yet, man, that Mets team is really, really good too. Washington is not in that class, but lots of star players. Uh, Philadelphia, lots of star players. Miami, I think, is. I think last year was a fluke. I think they fall apart, but um, man, that division is loaded. Yeah, I hate the National League East. I really, I really yeah. just hate all the teams in it. <laughs> I can't find it. I love the Braves roster is great, but the, what the what they did to Fulton County and oh. how they jammed their their uh, stadium yeah, through uh, is one of the worst stories of of professional sports franchise malfeasance in recent yep. history and so yep. i just find it really hard to root for them but max freed is sure fun to watch yes. and uh, acuna is uh, the top five player in the game and ozzy yep. albies is great and there's still freddie freeman who's like winning batting titles and mvps <laughs> and, MVP and awards. yeah and dansby swanson is sure fun to watch and they have ozuna and they have who is fun to watch, by the Pache, way. Ozuna's yeah. fun to watch at the plate and in the field. Yeah, He's fun like, to watch in the field because it's going to be a disaster. I think the, I think the Braves run away with the division. I'm not sold on the Mets in the way that, that other people are sold on the Mets, in part because, and I don't know if you know this, they're the New York Mets. <laughs> and we, we were talking about this right before we started, but like the most Mets thing in the world is to basically simultaneously, or on back-to-back -back days, or in within a few hours, announced that they have done something great, which is lock up Francisco Lindor for 10 years for $341 million. And also that because of COVID, their opening day game has been postponed. <laughs> it's a most, <laughs> it is the most Mets thing that has ever happened. Uh, it's so wonderful, but they, that team. Okay. So they have very good pitching, right? They have, they have DeGrom who is uh, DeGrom and right. they have Edwin Diaz, who you never know what you get out of him really, but they have Familia. They have, they have Trevor May. They have Marcus Stroman. They have uh, they have a bunch of good pitchers, and then they have uh, a polar bear who plays a first base for them, uh, who is a, a crazy freak of power. They have Lindor, who's Lindor. Um, they have Amora. Who, they got Amora from the Cubs, who's a very good outfielder. They have Kevin Pillar. Again, no ball hit to the outfield is going to drop anywhere in center field because of the uh, their. They have Conforto. They have Brandon Nimmo. They have. They have like they, it's a good roster. Like they've managed to put together a pretty good roster. They somehow got Villar from the Orioles, uh, who, who didn't re-sign the only good player that they had, <laughs> and let him go to the Mets. Um, so I, I I see it. I understand it. But I also just know that they're the Mets, and I just don't imagine that this turns out well for them. I don't know how. And and mainly what I think is going to happen is that they will be distracted halfway through the year because Steve Cohen will have to go back to jail. That's, <laughs> that's, that's I think, if you want to bet on something in Vegas related to the Mets, bet on their owner going to prison. Because he's one of the worst people in in the he's one I can't, it's shocking to me that MLB 
let him buy a team. The guy was banned from Wall Street for life for yeah. insider trading and for all sorts of malfeasance and and awful things. And then he came out of that somehow, got back reinstated. And then they were like, yeah, sure, buy one of our teams. There's, I don't see anything wrong with this. Buy one of our teams. Uh, and and now he like the team is being run by a criminal. He's an actual criminal. And I just and and it's I maybe this doesn't matter. Maybe like the bad guys win. But man, it is hard to imagine that turning out well for the Cubs or for the Mets. I mean, uh, so we'll see. But uh, that's what I'm betting. If I'm betting on one thing for this New York Mets season, it's that their owner will be perp walked down <laughs> in, in terms in front of a federal grand jury by the time the year is over. The great thing about him is, you know, any bit of news that you read about him over the last five years would, would you know, be basically him, you know, being banned from Wall Street or him selling out his partner and having that guy go to jail for him and all this other really negative stuff. The minute the guy bought the Mets and went on Twitter and basically said, hey, Mets fans, what do you want? He became like a god. Yeah. You know, like I'm, like, I'm bringing instant. back the old unis and everyone's like, yay. <laughs> like, it's like instant. It's just instant. Yes. That guy is like the greatest human being ever. I'll tell you what I think about with the Mets. I mean, look, there there's a lot of talent here and that pitching staff could be really, really good, especially assuming Syndergaard comes back. And although who knows uh, with that guy, uh, he Syndergaard, if you, if you want a secondary bet, it'll be Syndergaard is ready to come back. Uh, and and goes in a warm up section. He's he's on the uh, 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 whatever they call the list now. Right. It's not the disabled list I, anymore. IL or whatever. The IL yeah. for sixty days because of his elbow. Here's what's going to happen. He'll be ready to come back. Everybody will be all excited. And like in his warm up session before the game, he'll throw 106 miles an hour and blow out his elbow again. Yeah. Because that just seems to be who he does. But here's the thing about them. Like. Almost everybody that you look for, other than Lindor, Alonzo is is terrific, obviously. But th- all of them, you're like, well, that doesn't have to work, right? Like like J.D. Davis at third and, and Dominic Smith and left and Contorto even. Like, that that might not work. That might not be that good. Nimmo yeah. might not be that good. Like, every one of – there's nobody on there. There are not that many players on there. To me, it's Lindor – uh, and, and obviously DeGrom that you're like, all right, you go into the year, those guys are going to be superstars. And if they're not, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's, it's surprising. It's a shock, but there are a bunch of guys that are like, eh, that doesn't work out. I, I can't tell you, I'd be surprised by that. So I don't like that feeling. I never like that feeling going into a year where you're like, eh, it, it could, there are a whole bunch of guys on this team where it could kind of go either way. You know? Yeah, like it's like McCann is a perfect example, right? Because yeah. like McCann, right. as a as like a catcher, a, a really valuable guy a couple of years yes. ago, like like you know hitting twenty home runs for the White Sox, and like you know I think pretty good defensively is the rap on him, but also he strikes out a ton, yes. and <laughs> and it, it is and is like doesn't get on bait. He doesn't walk a lot. And so it's like there's a version of McCann catching for this team where it's like, oh, my God, they have a legitimate offensive weapon at catcher for the first time since Mike Piazza. And then there's a version of it where it's like, oh, yeah, he's just a mediocre catcher and right. doesn't That's really right. do anything. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, and again, it may, might not matter because the entire roster might be essentially forced to wear a wire by the FBI in, as part of a large sting operation to bring down their owner. And the whole season will be essentially a, like a one large federal investigation. Um, All right. Yeah. I don't think there's really anything to talk about with the rest of this division other than we do 
need to take a moment to to discuss Juan Soto and the Nationals. Um, that team, by the way, you want to talk about like weird players? Like, wait, they've got Starlin Castro now? Like, what, like, <laughs> like that, I, I lost track of him when he left the Cubs. You know, whatever, like however many years ago. Then, oh, they've got Josh Bell. Like, how did they get Josh Bell? They've got Patrick they got a Corbin. Bunch of weird, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> for a couple just a whole bunch of weird weird guys yep. they got Kyle Schwarber Kyle Schwarber is on the Nationals They're yeah like, Brad Hand like <laughs> Jan so, Gomes like, they, got, I'm looking at the roster right now Josh Bell yeah there's a bunch of guys here that you're like oh that guy all right that guy like but oh, Soto, okay. Soto's the only one who matters on this team well Soto, that's what well I mean yeah. Trey Turner's a really good player but, but sure blah 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 but Soto all right seriously how good I mean, obviously, the, you start with 22. He's 22. Right. That's right. You then move to should either win the MVP or be second or third in the MVP race every year for the next 10 years, right? Like, That's I, right. it's That's hard. Right. It's very, very hard to imagine, given what he's done so far at ages 20 and 21, uh, which is basically. He, he guess what his on base percentage was last year without looking. He played forty seven games, so it, it's well, obviously. I, a small I know he sample. hit three fifty, so I mean it's got to be what four sixty or something. Four ninety. Four ninety. <laughs> he was intentionally walked twelve times in forty seven games. He had forty one walks uh, and twenty eight strikeouts. He walked more than he struck out last year. I mean that is for a guy with his power. That is insane. He last year his OPS was one point one eight five. He had four ninety on base and six ninety five <laughs> slugging. Uh, it is it, like it's the to say the sky is the limit is to uh, is to underplay the height of the sky basically yeah. with him. It is. I mean, I think like again, odds on favor to win the MVP, even if his team is as bad as it seems like they're gonna be. Um, and you know, the comparisons are basically at his age are basically like Ted Williams and yeah. Willie Mays. It's like, there right. aren't, there aren't too many other guys who have done what he's done before the age of 22. No, at that age, no, it's, it's, he's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And he is one of those guys. We talked about this after that world series. He is one of those guys. Like there are a bunch of guys that you look at and you you see their stats and you go, Oh man, that guy had a really good year. Like that's kind of, you know, that's wow. That that guy's better than I thought. He's one of those guys that no matter how good the stats are, when you watch him play, you're like, oh, he's better. He's than better that. than like, the uh, stats. Yeah, no question. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he just the presence he has. It's just. Uh, All right, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make an official prediction. Uh, my, okay. The, the first the first official prediction of this podcast well, baseball second. preview. Second, sorry. S- second. Second after master. Steve Cohen going to jail. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Juan Soto is going to have 400 total bases. There's my prediction. Ooh. The rare 400 total base season. The rare for the one the one that stands out in your mind. The Jim Rice 78. The Jim right? Rice. Yeah, that's the that's the most recent sort of famous one. Someone yeah. else has done it since then. Though, oh yeah, right? I think didn't Larry Walker I think might have Larry done Walker, it. Larry Walker. Yeah, there are a few guys. Who've yeah, done it. but I'll say he's going to have 400. I mean, he had 107 total bases last year in 47 games, <laughs> uh, which is absurd. Um, so that's whatever. That's probably a 350 pace or something. But I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say this year, I'm going to say he plays a full season, gets 400 total bases. You heard I it love here. it. You heard it here first. I, I love it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Put put their money down. 98.3% chance that's going to happen. So uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's go. All right. American League West. I got to tell you, man, boy, this division kind of just bores me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, 
I guess Houston's the best team in the division. I guess I, I don't Oakland. You always want them to be the best. Maybe they are Seattle. Ugh. LA is going to be a huge disappointment because it's going to, you know, and Texas is, you know, they, they really could compete for worst team in baseball. So I guess Houston, what do you think? What do you, what do you like in the, in the West? I mean, you'd be foolish to bet against them because of their roster. But right. you would have been foolish to bet against them because of their roster last year, and Oakland won the division with a bunch of guys you've never heard of. So that's true. I, you know, look, they they re-signed McCullers, which is a big deal. Um, they yep. they needed that if they were going to compete. They really needed that guy specifically. They still have Zach Grinky, who's who is a magician, even though he's yes. 37, 38 years old now. He's he throws you know, 38 mile an hour curveballs and gets people to <laughs> to strike out or ground out weekly. I think their pitching is the biggest problem. I think their pitching staff isn't nearly as good as it's been in the last few no, years. It, it's, it, it definitely isn't. Yeah, and then but but then you look at their infield and you're like, all right, it's still Altuve, Bregman, and Correa, and you're like, well, that's <laughs> that's pretty good, and, you know. And Guriel, I mean, Guriel's back. Yeah. I mean, you know, so he's yeah, he's, and and Jordan Alvarez is is now you know who is not yeah, thirty nine. He's, he's 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 healthy yes. and thirty and twenty three or whatever he is. And they still have Brantley, and they still have Kyle Tucker, and you know, I, I it's it's hard not to imagine them scoring a ton of runs, especially if Alvarez like sort of you know returns to returns to form. You know, people forget already that in his rookie year when he was twenty one, he had a thousand OPS. Like he, you know, it was, ni- it was yeah. nine, 90 games and twenty seven homers or eighty seven games. I'm looking at it now, eighty seven games, twenty seven homers as a it rookie. Felt even more. It felt like he had like a homer every single day. Yeah, it yeah, was it, was, it was it was bananas. He looked like he had been. He looked like he had been playing in the league for five or six years. The way that right. he, the way that he solved the entire league's pitching staff. So, with all those guys, it's hard not to imagine them scoring a ton of runs. But then, you know, then comes Oakland with a bunch of guys you've never heard of and don't think are that good, uh, and suddenly, but are, but are. <laughs> and and you know, and they've got. I mean, here, okay, let's play this game again. How many? Uh, how many Oakland A infielders can you name? How many Oakland A uh, infielders? Okay, well, uh, obviously you start with um, uh, with uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, no, Chapman, no, they, Chapman, I, I can, everybody actually, remembers can, Chapman, right? Chapman. Everybody remembers. I can actually name a couple because Matt Olson is uh, is uh, at first mm-hmm. for them, and uh, and I happen to know since I did this that their shortstop bizarrely. Is Elvis Andrews one of the I weirdest? Actually... <laughs> one of the weirdest. I can't believe that guy is on this team's first. I don't know why it's so weird, but it's yeah. so well, weird. Well, because he's he's only been a Ranger, and you just kind of felt like he always would only be a Ranger. You yeah. Know? Did you and, know that uh, Jed Lowry is still on the team? God, I, it's Jed Lowry feels like, but Jed Lowry is like he's the annual surprise. Like every year, like, oh yeah, he's on the team. Like, no, he's been on the team for like four years now. Like, oh yeah. Like every year he's the annual surprise that mm-hmm. Jim Lowry's still on that team. Uh, they have Mitch Moreland, don't they? They, they, have, they Mitch, have Mitch Moreland Mitch, backing Mitch... up uh, at first. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, look, Matt Chapman is a fantastic player. I mean, he's an MVP candidate. Uh, so that infield's pretty decent. I mean, I look, I have no idea what to think of Elvis Andrews. Like that could be a disaster, mm-hmm. right? That could be an absolute disaster. But he's in Oakland now, so it probably won't be. He'll probably end up like having some sort of like renaissance season. You're like, oh yeah, look at that. Elvis Andrews is good again. Um, Let me ask you this: Ramon Laureano, who is 
super fun to watch in Saturday. Yes, very fun. Has anyone since Ichiro been made famous more quickly by a single throw than Ramon <laughs> than that throw that Loriano made when he was running to his right in deep left center and threw all the way, caught the ball and threw all the way back to first on the fly? That throw, which I've watched a hundred thousand times, oh yeah, as well you should. Yeah, is is one. Uh, Loriano had a, had a series against the Red Sox either last year or the year before. I can't remember where he threw out. I think I, I might have this wrong, but I think he threw out forty one guys at third base in in a single three game series. Like they kept running on him, and he kept gunning everybody down. And it is like it, he's a perfect Oakland A because you kind of know who he is from that throw that you saw on Sports Center. Right. Um, but he, but like when you have that guy playing in center every single day, your pitching staff gets a lot better than you thought it was. And then you look up and you're like, Hey, that guy hits like 290. You know, that guy hit 24 home runs in, in 2019. Like he's like better. He's a lot better than you think he is as an all round player. And that's the exact story of every single one of the Oakland A's. It it's just exactly like they, right. you kind of know who they are, and then when you actually look at what they've done, you're like, hey, that guy's really good. Like, <laughs> these guys are really good. Yeah, that's 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 right. They've got a whole bunch of those guys that are, like, you're like, oh, uh, you know, like their catcher is like Sean Murphy. Like, yeah, Sean Murphy, I, maybe I've heard of that guy. I don't know. He's like, he's like, he's good. Like, he's really good. Like, and he does all those goofy little things, the pitch framing and everything else that it's like, man, they're, they're just so smart. I just don't, it doesn't feel to me like they have enough to, but it to, never to... feels that way. That's what's <laughs> no. so funny about never. You're like, there's no way. And then suddenly you look up and they're like playing in the playoffs again. Yeah. And losing in the playoffs that's... again. I mean, that's, <laughs> oh. that's at some point it's got to break, right? At some point, by the way, were you as shocked as I I was to find out that Billy Bean still works for them? Yes, a hundred percent. I thought that was done. I thought I thought he was running some European soccer team for uh, for the Fenway Group. Yeah. I, I didn't like what happened. Yeah, I, it is a truly a truly shocking thing. I was also shocked to see that they have a pitcher on their team named Lou Trevino, who I thought for sure was a professional <laughs> golfer from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> Oh, Lou Trevino. He was, I think, for a while there in my uh, letters from spring, I was doing funniest name. And I think Lou Trevino might have been the last one because people were complaining. They were like, ah, you're making fun of names. It's stupid. And uh, and I'm like, okay, fine. But Lou Trevino, I had to do. I mean, First of all, wait a second. People complained that you were making fun of funny names. That's insane. Yeah. That's the that's one of the great human <laughs> activities is to make fun, is to talk about funny names that who who, is, who, who, who complained and by the oh. way the the correct answer for them is Birch Smith there's that's <laughs> that's the funniest name on that team I think Lou Trevino is still the funniest name because you could imagine Lee Trevino like using that as a fake name and changing the spelling of the last name yes like, the, would, like, the that, best my, that's what's gonna throw people off my favorite names are always the names that seem like the names that other people who were famous <laughs> gave to cops when they were caught drinking when they were underage. The Kevin Pillar. <laughs> Kevin Pillar was yeah. It was the, that's the name Kevin Millar gave to the cops when he was caught drinking underage. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. All right, I don't think there's anything else really. Oh well, well, let's let's have one more lament from for Mike Trout. Any chance the Angels like make a little bit of a run and 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 give us a little. Postseason Mike Trout? Uh, I mean, what is Steve Sishek gonna make the difference on their <laughs> in their pitching staff? I mean, look, there there is a chance, right? Because Otani's back. 
right? So Otani is back. That's right. Becomes if Otani is like an actual ace and hits like forty home runs. Uh, <laughs> okay, they have Kurt Suzuki, who Brandon insists is a great catcher. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, neither of us bought it though. Yeah, neither, neither. I, he's not going to start. No, I mean, they'll start Max there's, Stassi there's, anyway, right? There's, I mean, so. Yeah, and they're still playing. They're still paying Albert Pujols thirty million dollars a year to. <laughs> this l- is it though. Lumber. This, this is, is it. This we're, is at yeah, we're at the end. Yeah, we're at the end. I will say, uh, they have, uh, they have Rendon, right? They they signed they Rendon. Rendon. That's and right. and they're you know they still have Mike Trout they have uh, Justin Upton who could have a big year they have you know I, it's their pitching is probably the problem right I guess they have Jose Quintana they have Otani uh, I just it's yeah. hard it's really hard to see it um, look you're you're counting on Dylan Bundy becoming like like as good as people thought he'd be when he was in the Orioles minor league system which you know that's that's not going to happen so uh, but that's yeah I mean that's. That's the hope. I don't know. I mean, they're 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 a little bit. I mean, they've got star players. I mean, I mean, obviously yeah. they have Trout as number one, but you've got Rendon and you've got uh, uh, Otani. I mean, you know, and you've got Pujols. Obviously, is a whole separate thing. But I don't know. It's they depress me. They just depress me. This is Mike. Right. This is Mike Trout's twelfth year in Major League I know. Baseball. Twelve years he's been playing in the big leagues. <laughs> no, 14. 18 years he has been in the big leagues for eighteen years. It's crazy. He, he has his career line. He's three oh four four eighteen five eighty two. He has an he has going into this year exactly a one thousand career OPS. Oh my god! Isn't that wild? After eleven years or whatever, ten years, he's got exactly a one thousand. It's like a. It's perfect. It's a perfect Mike Trout stat. That after twelve hundred and fifty-two games and forty-five hundred and thirty-nine at bats, he has a one thousand OPS exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have exactly three hundred doubles, exactly three hundred home runs. Exactly. He, he's not done yet. He will. He will. He's going to have exactly five hundred <laughs> of everything. That's he's just going to decide to be. That's it. That's good enough. You know, there, there's that famous stat that Stan Musial uh, had exactly the same number of hits on the road as he did at home. Uh, which is very cool and kind of meaningless, but a very cool stat that sort of shows the balance. You want Mike Trout to have some crazy stat like that, yeah. right? That just sort of describes, like takes him to a whole other level. Uh, oh, what a force. What a force. Yeah. Poor guy. Poor That's guy. it. He's, and he's going to, and he's going to be there forever. I mean, they're not, it's, he's there. He's not so. leaving. He, the weather's too nice. He, he likes the weather too much. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's game. It's like game five of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks, Suns, in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side. Found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Ready to take a trip? Hear about all the must-see places with Thrillist's new series, Get Out of Town. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. Go from the East Coast to the West and everywhere in between. Like the best spot to grab a drink on the San Antonio Riverwalk. 
There's a million reasons to get out of town. The only hard part is choosing where to go first. Listen to Get Out of Town with Thrillist everywhere you get podcasts. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. All right, the NASA, the American League Central feels kind of fun this year because we have, I think, a nice, fun White Sox-Twins duel, I feel. I don't. I think Cleveland is, is finally going to fall off uh, unless they find three Cy Young Award pitchers in their system, which they might, because that happens every now and again. But the Royals are, eh, they're going to get better. Mike Witt's exciting. He's not hes not there yet, but he's exciting. Uh, Detroit, you know, yuck. they've got young <laughs> players uh, that, that, you know, might uh, might do something. They're, their manager is exciting. Um, so, so I think it's Twins and, and White Sox, right? Yeah, it's a bummer. The Aloy Jimenez injury is a real bummer. That was a real, yes. um, and, yes. and you know, he's not the best player on the team, but he's he's awfully good. And it was what just a, a fluke, yeah, great hitter, and like a fluke injury of like going for a home run and wrapping his arm over the fence and then pulling his his muscle, and he's out. Well, he should never be in the field anyway. Yeah, he's dangerous is... to himself, <laughs> and he's such a great hitter. Just stop. And it's it's sad because Luis Robert. And Loy Jimenez, and then Eaton Engel. Those, it's a good outfield. And then the infield is Madrigal, Moncada, Tim Anderson, and Jose Abreu. And Jake Lamb is in there too. And then they yeah. got Grandal catching as a backup catcher, I think, or unless he's going to start. I'm not sure. I think he's going to start. Yeah. Start, and then yeah. and then Giolito, who's who's unhittable. And then they have they have the like Liam Hendricks, and they have Dave. Well, they got Lance Lynn. They got they, Lance they, Lynn. They just and, up Lance Lynn and Dallas Keuchel. I mean, they that's and Michael Kopech, who was hurt all of last year and throws 110. You know, that's right. So that's like right. it is, I, I it is a. Um, it is a really fun team to watch. I'm very, very excited to watch this team this year. And and I I think my gut says, my no research gut says that they're, they're going to take the Twins down and, and actually win the division. I think they might. Plus, they have a guy on the team named Garrett Crotchet. So, they, you know, that that alone. And a guy named uh, Bummer. <laughs> they have a guy named Bummer. <laughs> a guy named Aaron Bummer. Aaron Bummer is a delightful name. Yeah. The Twins... The Twins are better always than than I think you think they are until the playoffs where they never ever 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 win a game ever. That's just that so run, sad. that run, that playoff run, that whatever it is, eighteen consecutive games. You know, I did something on that. Just uh, that run. Well, you and I have done some things on on their their sad uh, efforts against the Yankees in the playoffs, and that's most of their playoff run. But it's not all of it, and. They have not won a playoff game since whatever, 15 years or something. And they've been in the playoffs like They're all the time. In the playoffs all the time. All the time. <laughs> it's like it's crazy. It's like, yeah, there's there's plenty of teams who haven't won a playoff game in a long time, like the Mets, but it's because they're never in the playoffs. They're never the, that's the right. twins are always in the playoffs and they never win a game, much less a series. It is wild. But they're super interesting because I mean, like Again, bunch of guys that you just don't know are on the team. Like uh, uh, Andrelton Simmons is their mm-hmm. shortstop, which is like, what? Like, how did that happen? Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson <laughs> is their third baseman. And he was, he's one of the perfect examples of a guy that was on the team last year, but none of us were paying attention. So now you're right. like, wait, when did they get Josh Donaldson? Like, how did that happen? And Kenta Maeda. Kenta Maeda's <laughs> on this team. He's a good pitcher, man. Jay, he's a very J.A. Good Happ pitcher. is on this team. He's a good pitcher. Like the yeah. they have a really good team. And I, I just but I just you Michael can't, Pineda's on that team. Yeah. Yes. That's weird. You can't ever you just can't 
put any faith in them. You just, it's just no, impossible. No. And like Pineda, you're like, Oh, Pineda's on the team. It's like, yeah, Pineda's also, <laughs> he's like 33 now or something. And, and, and he's been hurt so many times. Yes. I, yes. And you just, I, you just can't, you, they got a lot of those guys. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, just kind of uh, might not work out. All right. Here's my big question for them. And then we're moving on to the East. Byron Buxton. Is that ever going to happen? Look, he's 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 going to be unbelievably fun to watch no matter what. And he's a very 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 good player. But is that guy going to be the star that that we all thought he was going to be? Man, I hope so. I really hope oh, so. So fun. Yeah, and he had flat he's had flashes, right? It's just he's oh, never, yeah. he's never been healthy. He's just literally never been healthy, right? It's like he plays he, he, he plays so hard. He plays so hard, and he's always yep. diving and throwing his body around. <laughs> but in that 2019 season, that was oh like, oh, gosh. here's the guy we thought we were getting, right? That, That's he, right. Here's, That's right. It's like it, a little it – was, it was incredible defense. And then it was like he's just ripping doubles all over the place and, yeah. and beating out singles and – and well, it, and it was the second half of that year. He was like otherworldly. Yeah, mean, that was because you know, he got hurt early, and then when he came back, he was like, "Oh my gosh!" Last year, he hit a bunch of home runs. That was an interesting. That was uh, interesting. Thing. Yeah, he had he had thirteen homers in thirty nine games last year, which wow. is, which is was you know he had his record his career record is sixteen in one hundred and forty games. <laughs> right. So yeah, right. I mean, it, look, if it's gonna happen, it should happen this year. He's he's twenty seven. At this moment, he's theoretically healthy going into the year, uh, and he is, you know, he's a he's an otherworldly defensive player who has shown that he is capable of of having an eight fifty or even, you know, in a good year nine hundred OPS. Like it might happen if, if look. Let's put it this way: if the Twins are going to win anything, it's going to be because he puts it all together, right? I like think that's a, right. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I I feel like. The Twins are, if he could become even a small version of that star that that you know, which is playing every day. The Gold Glove defense at center is is almost a given at this point. If he could play every day, uh, and just you know enough power, because you know, he's he's got issues as a hitter. He strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk. Um, but if he could put that piece together, maybe they're a threat. Maybe uh, I'm kind of with you though. I kind of feel like this is the White Sox year. Uh, despite the fact that it could all fall apart because Tony La Russa is their manager. So. <laughs> oh, I forgot. That's the main thing we should have talked about. The de- well, we did a whole podcast on That's it. That's true. The brilliant, the masterstroke of taking the, the coolest and most interesting young team, young multicultural team in all of baseball and and putting an 89-year-old white guy who is who dreams of nothing more than hitting and running in the in the eighth inning of the seventh game of the World Series and making him the manager. What a bonehead move. My God, what a bonehead oh, move. And and like it'll be such a bummer if the White Sox actually do put it all together and win, and then everyone will talk about what a genius Tony LaRusso is. That is that to me is a real likely scenario. Yeah. Like like they win, he wins manager of the year. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about the Hall of Famer doing it again. Oh, It'll be like I, Jack McKeon or one of those stories of like the right, old timer right. knows what's best for these young kids. And meanwhile, it's just maybe, no Tim Anderson just hit 350. Like that's, that's nothing to do with Tony LaRusso. Maybe this will stop those saber people from wrecking their men and their computers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the National, the American League East. Do you want to get out your Boston rant? Uh, because really, 
Uh, I think there are three really, really good teams. I think Toronto's really good. Hmm. And Tampa Bay's obviously really good. And the Yankees, we're not even going to talk about. Um, do you want to get a Boston rant off? Or, or do you feel the Angels already covered? Yeah, there's no rant here in the way that there's a Celtics rant. Because they're just boring. It's the bo- it's a very boring. boring team. that uh, yeah. in, in classic boring 2021 Red Sox fashion, they're... Their home opener was already rained out, and they they're not playing today. They're playing tomorrow. Uh, I mean, you look they're they're going to be very boring this year. I think you're like the most likely outcome is a seventy eight to eighty two win sort of yeah. like boring nothing team. Uh, they there's a couple interesting stories that are worth following. Garrett Richards and whether he can like have a Garrett Richards you know year is kind of interesting. Nick Pavetta as a reclamation project is kind of interesting to follow. Look, the left side of their infield is It's still Devers and Devers and Bogarts is, is great. They have a couple young guys like Bobby Dalbeck who had a good spring and, 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 and And you have Franchi, you have Franchi Cordero. Franchi is there. And Alex Verdugo, (laughs) who, who like last year was the most interesting player on the team and whether JD Martinez could, could like, you know, bounce back after, you know, hitting, Oh, 70 last year. Uh, so it's not like there's, n- there's no reason. It's not like there's no reason to watch the games. Like there's a reason right. for me and a, for Red Sox fans to watch. Chris the Sale will be back. I mean, there's Sale stuff. will be back in sometime in the midsummer and whatever, but like you just know, you know, what's going to happen. There's no, right. unlike some of these other teams that we're talking about, there's no version of them actually putting it quote all together and quote and no. winning the division. So it's just kind of a bummer knowing that like this year and next year are probably a wash and they just have to draft really well and develop their guys and they need pitching and they need everything. So, and it's also yeah. sad, you know, all their entire 2018 outfield, which was so fun, Ben and Tendi, Bradley and Betts, they're all gone. They're all on. Yeah, other, I, I mean, in two years, that fast, uh, that two fast years. it's really wild. Like, and, uh, and that's, that's a, that's indicative of what has happened to this team since they had the greatest year and the greatest year in the history of the franchise and arguably, you know, a top 10 all time year for any team. Two years later, they're the most boring team in baseball. That's really wild. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really strange. And look, I, my question to you, well, the last Red Sox question is let's say they kept Mookie Betts. Okay. Let's say that Mookie Betts was on the team last year and was, they signed him long-term whatever the issues are for, for, for what that is. Is this team a contender if they have Mookie Betts? Do they act more like a contender? Do they Are they close enough that you can have some dreams? What is one player enough to make that much of a difference? Well, I don't know if they're a contender next to the Tampa Bay and New York. They're 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 a playoff caliber team. I mean, just yeah. just inserting Mookie Betts into the lineup for a second and then you realize that there's a four player run in that lineup of Devers, Bogarts, JD Martinez, and Mookie Betts. Like that's a, that's a, that's as good a run of four hitters as, as there is in the league. The rest of the lineup is obviously a little rough, but like that, those four in a row are, are pretty unimpeachably great. They still don't have a number one starter or anything close to it, you know, until at least until sale comes back and is good. So you're still relying on Nathan Ivaldi to to open the season for you and to pitch the biggest games of your season. You're still relying on Garrett Richards to reclaim his old form. You're still you still need Nick Pavetta to suddenly become 
what people thought he was going to become a few years ago. You're still relying on Adam Ottavino to close games for you, I think. Like, I don't know who else is yeah. the closer. <laughs> You're relying on Matt Barnes to become Matt Barnes again. Like, I, it, it still would be a stretch, but they would... With Mookie in the lineup, you would you would have hopes of them making the wild card certainly in a way right. you don't currently. Um, he's worth six to ten wins to your team by himself. So, yeah, but without him, it's just like all right, they're gonna they're gonna be <laughs> seventy eight and eighty four and right, and it'll be kind or of or eighty four and seventy eight. What difference does it make? I mean, they'll be like <laughs> right. you know that's exactly what they're gonna be. All right, I wanna the I wanna get the Blue Jays out of the way because that team is really really good and interesting. First of all. Every single player you've heard of, their son plays for the Blue Jays. That's right. It, it right? is It is one right? of the weirdest things that's ever happened. <laughs> it's every player you've heard of, the, for people our age, every player from our era has a son, and every one of those sons plays for the same team, and they're all really good. That's what's so weird. They're all really good. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. I love it. It's incredible. I love Kevin it. Biggio. I always forget about Kevin Biggio, because Bo Bichette is... First of all, has the greatest name in history. Right. Uh, it's it's so close to Boba Fett. It's it's like it it. When I say Boba Fett's name, I often accidentally say Boba Fett. Boba Fett. And, sure. And of course, you remember Vlad. But like Kevin Biggio is also yeah. on this. By the way, they're all on the team. They all are in the infield together. Yes. Which is really confusing. <laughs> like if you only looked at their last names, you might think that you were accidentally watching an all-star game from the year 1995. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing in baseball, and I love it so much. I love it so much. It's so much fun. But that team, they got a whole bunch of guys you don't know are on the team. Like George Springer's on that team. Like, wait, what? George Springer is now a Blue Jay? Yeah, he's he's on the Blue Jays. Uh, Marcus Semyon is on the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm which really feels incredibly bizarre. And uh, and like then there's just a bunch of like, oh, Tanner Rourke is with them and Steven Matz and, and uh, Hyunjin Ryu is on this team. It's like, wait, they they just got a whole bunch. Tyler Chatwood, they like the, just got a whole bunch of guys that are like kind of good from a whole bunch of different teams. And they're putting it out there with these, with, you know, with their 12 sons of major league players. And... Man, I I love that team. Yeah. I'm just going to say I just love them. It, I love them. It's a them. fun team and and they also have these guys that because they happen to have three famous and very good sons of former players, <laughs> they have all these other really good players who you don't know. Like Teoscar Hernandez is incredible. He's yeah, so good. Absolutely. He had a 920 OPS last year or two whatever. Yeah, last year. Yeah. He like he's he's like a he's a budding superstar uh yeah. in and there are um, the the entire roster is filled with guys who are better than you think they are. Ross Stripling pitches for this team now. That's weird. Right. That's like that's the, weird. Yeah, that's weird. Steven Matz, who never quite achieved launch velocity, but he's pitching for the team. Like that's that, weird. there is there is a there is unquestionably a version of everything going right for this team that right. leads to them making the playoffs and being dangerous in the playoffs. I think. Yeah, I I think that's right, and of course, there's exactly at the same time there's every possibility that everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they're the Blue Jays. Uh, by the way, David Phelps plays on this team, which feels unbelievably weird to me <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, but here's the other thing. The Blue Jays don't even know where they're going to play. <laughs> right? I mean, they're, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll start in Florida, and then maybe we'll go to Buffalo, and then maybe we'll come back home to Toronto. We don't even know. Everything about this team is bizarre. Yeah. It's, Just it'll, bizarre. It's the, it's the, the last... 
holdover of the COVID effect is yeah. that you currently have the Tampa Bay Raptors in the NBA and you're going to get the like Buffalo, the Tampa Bay Buffalo Blue Jays in, in, the, in MLB. <laughs> Truly weird. And yeah, I mean, it's again, it, with the Yankees in Tampa Bay, it's hard to, it's hard to make this bet, but like I, it's a really fun team. They're going to be really fun to watch. All right. Yankees or Blue Jays? I mean, Yankees or Rays? Who, who's going to win that division? Well, of course, uh, the, of course, the answer is the Yankees. But yes. let's let's bet on the Blue Jays. Just be, I mean, on the on the Rays because betting on the Yankees is so sad. And there is right. there's also there's also like there has been in the past with the Yankees, there is a um, the potential for all of these monstrous grizzly bears that they have playing for them to get hurt. <laughs> And they and it's already Luke Voigt's already on IL, yeah, um, and yep. n- don't know when he's going to be back. Judge gets injured every year because he's because he's a, a monster. Uh, his right. his robot parts break down and need to be repaired. Uh, <laughs> Stanton gets hurt every year. Every year, Sanchez could be out of baseball next year, uh, not because of injury, but just because he apparently doesn't really care that much about whether he's good or not. <laughs> Uh, but again, all of the, let's say all of those guys get hurt or have bad years. You still have Gliber Torres and you still have Mike Ford and you still have Aaron Hicks and you still have DJ LeMayhew, who apparently is now the best hitter in baseball. And you still have Giancarlo Stanton and you still have Urshela and you still have Andahar lurking in the background as like a guy who was supposed to be a top hitting prospect in baseball. Like that's the that's the really uh, sad thing about this team, about hating this team, is they just seem to have great players everywhere. They still have Mike Talkman, who I don't know how, but is is has like an has had a nine fifty OPS or whatever it was last year. <laughs> it, it was just it's so sad. It's so 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 sad. And of course, Garrett Cole is starting today for them. Uh, yeah, Marissa, Marissa just uh, texted. Uh, to let us know that uh, Gary Sanchez just homered. So <laughs> already, <laughs> already it's going bad. Already it's going very, very bad. Look, I think they're the most, uh, like they have a lot more talent than the Rays do. I mean, but the Rays, the Rays got some stuff figured out. You know, that team is just, first of all, they're more talented than you think they are, right? They've just, they've got a bunch of guys on that team that you think are like, eh, you know, like they're, like their, their projections, their fan graphs projections are pretty mild. They're, they they have them sort of as a middling team, but I think that's partly because uh, you you never really know how good Brandon Lau is because you you pronounce his name Lau instead of Low, which is what it should be, and <laughs> and and uh, and everybody nobody seems to think that Randy Rosarena is going to be the player that he was in the playoffs last year, but he might be the player he was he in might, the playoffs. He sure last might year, be. Right? Yep, he sure might be. And they <laughs> you know, and then they have Glasnow and Chris Archer. And they right? have Michael Waka and they have Brian Yarbrough. Like they have, they have all these guys where like you keep, by the way, Rich Hill plays for this team. How about, how about that? How about Rich, how about 49 year old Rich Hill <laughs> hanging on with the, uh, with the race? But yeah, they, they have all these guys, Yandy Diaz and Brandon Lau and Willie right. Adams and, uh, Adama, and then sorry. Margot and guys that Margot are just like, you don't think Austin they're that Meadows good. And, yeah, and yeah. like if a Rosarena is anything like he was, you then you're like, oh, this is a juggernaut. Like it's not just yeah. that they're yeah. that they're good. It's like they're the they're the no name version of the Dodgers if everything works out the way it could. That's right. That's right. That's why it won't because they're the Yankees and the Yankees are going to ruin everything for all of us because that's what they do. That's right. That's what they live for. It's what they do. Somehow, may- maybe maybe the Steve Cohen. 
inevitable indictment will somehow take down the Yankees too. That would <laughs> that would like a, get a twofer out of the deal. I just saw a picture of our producer Marissa uh, as a high school student wearing a Yankees Jeter jersey. Oh, brother! And I just thought, how is how did she get to do this? This production, actually, this was the punishment for her. I'll tell you for being a Yankee fan. I'll tell you the weirdest thing, and maybe a ray of hope um, for for this year is that last year. So last year, Tampa Bay was forty and twenty in their sixty games, and the Yankees were thirty three and twenty seven, still made the playoffs, right. obviously. But um, but last year, the Rays were twenty one and nine against teams above five hundred, and the Yankees were ten and seventeen. Yeah, and, no, and the Rays were considerably better. That, that might be a fluke, and who knows? Um, but short I'll tell you how bad uh, the AL West was last year. Is you know what Oakland's record against teams above five hundred was? No, what was it? Two and four. They only played oh, six games all gosh. year against well, teams. They played above, only in their division. That's right. right? So <laughs> yes, they were playing Houston, Seattle, LA, and Texas every every game. They were they only played six games out of sixty against teams wow. that were above 500. That's amazing. That's got to be the first yeah. time. That's got to be the lowest percentage for a 60-game run that you could find anywhere. Like, there's no <laughs> way any other team has only played at 10% of their games against teams that are 500 or better. That's wild. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's that's crazy. All right, so we're all right, so now who's winning the American League and who's winning the National League? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a crazy limb. Uh-oh, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> I'm going to say that the White Sox are coming out of the American League. Let's oh, just, I love I'm gonna, it. I'm going to roll in the dice with, with the White Sox uh, in the American League. And in the National League, I, you can't not pick the Dodgers. It would be crazy not to pick the Dodgers. So I'll, I'll say Dodgers. So you got White Sox-Dodgers. got White Sox-Dodgers, and I'm, what the hell? I'm picking the White Sox to win it all. All right, Marissa. This is this is a key for, uh, for uh, our Nick Offerman uh, song about the Chicago White Sox. Let's check in with the Chicago White Sox. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's good. Look, I'm going to pick the Dodgers too because I just don't feel – if the Dodgers lose – and they could. Look, the Dodgers – one thing that is important to say is Dodgers not only could have but maybe even should have lost to the Braves in that playoff Yeah, game, no question. That playoff series, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Braves don't go into into like, you know, some sort of brain – uh, freeze mode on the bases in that series, and they win that series. I think they should, they could, so, could have, and should have lost the World Series. Yeah, like that, you know. Yeah, they could have lost. The, that's right. Yeah. that's that's right. So, so you never know. And and but the thing is, unless it's the Padres, there's nobody in that division in that league I want to pick. You know, I mean, I I I I don't like what Atlanta stands for, but I do like that team. Um, but I I just can't. I'm just going to go with the Dodgers. And then in the in the uh West, uh, I mean in the American League, uh I don't I don't like any of the team <laughs> other than the White Sox. I don't like any of the team options. Um I fear it's going to be Yankees Dodgers. I think it's going to be like a 70s kind of thing. Mm. But I'll go ahead and pick uh see that's the thing. All right, so let's say I say no. You know what? I'm not going to pick the Yankees. Right. What, I'm gonna pick Houston. I mean, like that's gonna make me happier. That's not gonna make pick, me pick happier. the A's. Pick a pick an all California series uh, rematch of the late '80s and and roll the. Ooh, the, the, you know what? Let's finally let's do one without an earthquake. There you I go. I think that's right. I think you go a Dodgers Oakland series without an earthquake. I think that would be uh, that would be ideal. So yeah, all right. Let's let's go ahead and pick that one. Great. Um, all right. So there we go. So we've got our perfect. Uh, our perfect thing. We were going to do a draft, but I don't think we should because this thing is already two hours long. <laughs> so, um, 
Uh, I think it's time for one last meaningless thing. Don't you think we should go right to one last, last meaningless thing Love here? It. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast All right, it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. And I actually have one that I've been thinking about for a couple of days. It it is the only one last meaningless thing I've ever had where it actually, uh, while I was thinking of it, I thought, oh, this is a one last meaningless thing. Um, I was in the car the other day and I was driving uh, and next to me at a stoplight, this moving truck uh, moved, uh, came up next to me. Uh, And it was kind of like this, you know, it was a beat up moving truck. And on the side, it said the name of the moving company. And it said the elite moving company, what it said on the side. Okay. That was their, their like slogan. Okay. And I thought to myself instantly, this was my first reaction. I looked at that and I thought, what an unbelievable missed opportunity that was for this moving company. And it really could have fixed, they could have fixed it with one small word choice. Because to me, if it had said an elite moving company, <laughs> I know that story. Like to me, I know that story. Like that's that's the story of the guy who runs the team, uh, runs this, the thing. You know, it's, it's it, I think it was like, I don't, I don't remember the name of it, but let's say it was like Seddon Moving Company. I know the story of Jim Seddon. Who's, who's, you know, that's a guy, he was like in construction and like he and his, his sons would like move stuff around the neighborhood. Like he would help out friends and they're all like, you know, you guys are really good at this. You ought to like make this into a, uh, you ought to do this for a living. And, you know, and he's like, I, what do I know about business? I'm just a, I'm just a construction guy. And they're like, no, no, you ought to do that. And he starts thinking about it. And, you know, his boss is breaking his neck and every other day. And he's like, fine, you know what? I'm going to do it. And he goes to his sons and he's like, we're going to start a moving company, the Seddon moving company. And they're like, yeah, we should do that. And they start this company and they're, you know, they're really good at it. They, they work really hard and they, and they charge a fair rate and, 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 you know, and they start growing as a company and they start hiring other people and the people love working for Jim Seddon because he treats them like all of them, like he's family. And, (laughs) and they start building this moving company and building it up and building it up and people love them. And they've got like a million five-star reviews because they've done such a great job. And, and finally they've hired a bunch of people and they've got 33 people. And, and one day Jim Seddon is in his office and he's, he's there with a bunch of, you know, his, his sons who have gone on to other things now. And, and he's looking at them and he says, you know what? We got 33 people here and and all of these people love what we do. You know what? We're an elite moving company. And he's got a tear in his eye when he says that, right? He's got like a little tear in his eye when he says we're an elite moving company. And everybody is so touched by this that they surprise him like for his for his birthday. They put that slogan, an elite moving company, on every one of the trucks. And he loves it. And it's it. I know that story. The elite moving company, that guy's just a jerk. That's it. It's just like the whole thing is completely ruined. And that was my thought as I sat at the traffic light looking at the truck. Okay, this is the weirdest thing you've ever said. <laughs> like, I, what I don't... You I, always say that. Well, but, but why isn't the story simply exactly the same except that he has, you know, they build the company up 
and they yep. do really well and they are right. they are ranked you know in a customer service satisfaction survey <laughs> they are ranked number 1 in the in the state of Illinois or whatever and uh, or South Carolina or Tennessee and he he gathers all of his employees together and he says hey ladies and gentlemen this is a really big moment for our company like we were just ranked number 1 out of all of the moving companies in the state, we are right. unquestionably the elite moving company <laughs> in our state. And everybody claps and cheers. And then they're like, hey, I like the sound of that. And they change the name to the elite moving company. Why is it, why, like the elite moving company it, it insinuates they're number one. An elite moving company means they're like, yeah, you know, in the top seven or whatever. Well, but here's the thing. Jim Send is too modest to have the elite moving company on his truck. Because he knows, like, look, the elite moving company, they're small. They're still a small company. They're, they're, they're still, they're still, they're, they're just trying harder. I don't think that they, he would go out there and say the elite moving company, but he would say we're an elite moving company and he would be, I think, he, I think he said, I think Jim said we are an elite <laughs> moving company. And then his wife, who really, as we all know, runs the business. She's the, she she's the, the brains behind true. the operation. Eileen said, and <laughs> Eileen says, no, honey, we are the elite moving company. Wow. Okay. You know? So I, I did not thought about and that. He, I did not thought about Eileen's role. Yeah. And then he's like, I don't know, honey, that seems kind of braggy. And she's like, look, we, you, you got to own it, man. You know, you're like, we got to, <laughs> we got you, you, you've done great work. We've done great work here building up this company. And I don't think you should shy away from, from, you know, uh, from saying, saying what's true, which is we are the elite moving company in this state. Wow. So, so you're saying that Eileen basically said, listen, let I, I know that you like to keep to yourself and your mom. You're a humble guy, and that's this. why I love. Let that's why we've this. been married for 33 <laughs> years, you know. And 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 I get it, and that's wonderful. But um, but I'm sorry. You you need to, you need to really walk the walk and talk the talk. And and I think it's fair and just that we say what we are, which is we are the elite moving company here in Tennessee. But it didn't say in the state, though. That was part of the problem. <laughs> if it had said the elite moving company in North Carolina or South Carolina or wherever they were from. I'd be like, all right, well, maybe, maybe I could see Jim allowing that. I just can't see Jim allowing just those words up on the truck. Hmm. I just don't even. I don't think Eileen would make him do that. He would feel. I, too- she didn't make him do it, man. She just said, like, I look, honey. I know you have a tendency <laughs> to downplay your successes because you're a humble and good man, and yeah. I'm here to say that while that's part of why I love you and why we've been had such a successful marriage and raised four beautiful children. Uh, right. that, that sometimes you just have to, it, it's okay. It's okay to say, to celebrate your accomplishments and it matters to our employees and it matters to our customers and they should, they all have the right to know that we have achieved this status. That's what I think happened. That, that does sound like Eileen. I gotta say. Yeah. She's I mean, a, really she's does. a very, very smart woman and she's very proud of her accomplishments and her husband's accomplishments and their family's accomplishments. I mean, you, you get their Christmas letter every year, right? It's like seven pages long talking about all of their kids and all of their various accomplishments. And, and it's written not in a braggy way, but in a very proud way. And I think that that's probably what, what happened there is that she was the one who sort of pushed for him to, to truly celebrate what they had accomplished as a company. All right. I'm going to admit that you bring up a good point about Eileen. I, that is the, the kind of person that Eileen is. Yeah, she's a generous and uh, and uh, kind person who who wants to celebrate her family's accomplishments. Proud. That's all that's going on. Proud of her yeah. husband. Yeah, oh, all that's right. right. All right, I'll get and that and herself. You. By the way, she's proud of herself because she really, again, she built the company. She did. She did. She made all the wise moves. All right, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. All right. All right. My one last meeting. Of this thing involves sunglasses, which is um, 
I think I've talked about this before because again, we've been doing this for 10 years, but I never spend a lot of money on sunglasses right. because I lose them all the time because everybody <laughs> loses them all the time. But That's I right. recently, I, I, I bought a pair of Warby Parker sunglasses. I don't know if you know that company. It's a great company. Yeah. Um, you can get really high quality uh, uh, sunglasses and, and glasses frames in general for glasses. If you're a glasses wearer and they, they donate pairs of glasses for everyone you buy, they donate one to someone who, who needs them, which is great. And I was recommended to me and I, I bought these sunglasses. And I really love them. And, uh, about four days ago, I, uh, they were in a bag, uh, of mine that got crunched and they were just <laughs> completely, I've had them for a long, I've had them longer than any pair of sunglasses I've ever had because I care about right. what happens to them. And they got crunched. And one of the uh, one of the arms of the one of the sort of earpiece arms was just utterly bent mangled, and mangled. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm not giving up on this. And so over the course of four days, I have like a like a uh, a jeweler wearing a jeweler's <laughs> loop and and performing surgery on like a, a delicate piece of of antiquity. Uh, I have nursed these sunglasses back to health by slowly painstakingly bending the arm back into something approaching its original form and it's not perfect but like i have i have i have taken greater care with this than almost anything that i've ever worked on in my entire life and i now have it so that when i put the sunglasses on a table the two the two arms are are perfectly aligned and they both rest at the exact angle on a table and the feeling of accomplishment I have from doing this is greater than I think anything that I've ever accomplished in my life. Like I feel so proud of myself for having nursed these uh, sunglasses back to their original form that I, I, every time I put them on and they feel good while putting them on, I have, I, I get this like wave, this flush of joy and accomplishment uh, that, that is overwhelming, I would say. Wow. Uh, and it, yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a handy person at all. I can't fix anything. I don't know how to do anything. I have to watch a YouTube tutorial to like operate a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, I, that's I, right. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do anything, but, and, and I, and I didn't know how to do this and I just did it purely on sort of just careful painstaking uh, instinct. And, uh, it's not perfect, but man, oh man, I just feel so good about myself because I, because I was able to accomplish this. How long combined time would you say you spent on fixing those glasses? Not a crazy amount. I would say something like 2000 hours. <laughs> something Sounds that about range. right. Yeah. Something yeah. like 2000 hours. Yeah. That's what yeah. it seemed. That's what it seems like in <laughs> retrospect that it was about 2000 hours of time. Yeah. But you'll, you love those glasses. That's it. Yeah. Well, they just, they, they, you know, instead of the $10 Rite Aid cheapies, right. They were, you know, I think they were 90 bucks or something like that, or maybe a little more. And that's a lot of money to spend on sunglasses. And in California, you have to wear sunglasses every day, especially if you have bad vision like I do. Right. So it, it was like, you know, it, it mattered. I didn't want to just chuck them. I wanted to, I wanted to, to resuscitate them, to revive them. And I succeeded and I feel very, very proud of myself. <laughs> Much, well, like I, much like Eileen, proud yes. of her business. You would put right. a sticker on there saying the elite sunglasses. The elite sunglass repair <laughs> company of uh, California. <laughs> it's delightful. I, I'm, I just have nothing but, but happiness for, for, this, for this moment that, you've, that you have. By the way, Thank you. how many pairs of sunglasses have you owned in your life? Not a crazy number. Probably like 250,000, <laughs> something like that. I mean, I've lost, I mean, and I, you know, I mostly wear glasses, but I have, I also do 
uh, especially now that I play some tennis, I do wear sunglasses. Uh, and that is, I mean, I, I wear uh, contacts. And so that has, has uh, done. So I, I could lose two pairs of sunglasses at least in one day. I absolutely. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Without question. And, yeah. and, and, and the, the truth is, is that when you lose them, you never find them again. No, it's never like, gone. Oh, look at this pair of sunglasses from, cause it's always, you you put, you'd go to go out to eat and you leave them on the table at the restaurant right. and then you right. walk away or you are in a store and you take them off to pay for the thing and then you leave them in the store or whatever. <laughs> it's COVID. One of the only good things about COVID is I've lost fewer pairs of sunglasses right, in the last year leave. because I'm going anywhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the, it, at, at your peak, you can easily lose a pair a week if you, uh, if you're not careful. I am at the, the age sadly where I need, especially if I'm wearing, well, not especially only if I'm wearing uh, contacts where I need reading glasses and um I, I I bought like a box of reading glasses, two boxes actually of reading glasses. So that's like whatever, 20 reading glasses. And I put them all around the house. So wherever I happen to be sitting, I could like, there'll be some, some reading glasses near me should I need them. And I think I've lost all of them already. And yeah. I haven't left the house and I've still lost all of them. Well, you know, my wife is now has gotten, she's had perfect vision her whole life. And it's been really annoying as someone with terrible vision. And right. she recently hit, hit the point where she needs reading glasses, which kind of delights me because she is learning now <laughs> uh, at, at, in her mid forties, what I have known since I was in seventh grade, which is that having glasses is the biggest pain in the butt it's the worst. in the world. And yep. she's like going through all of it now as a grown up, And it's very funny to me. I know it shouldn't be funny, but it's very funny. And she is constantly losing her glasses and like forgetting them. And they're downstairs when she's upstairs or they're they're in her car when she whatever. And it is it is wild to watch someone like learn. It's like watching someone like learn how to walk yeah, in, yeah. in their mid 40s for me. And it's it it's kind of joyous. I know how like I feel her pain so acutely because I remember being in seventh grade and wearing glasses and like leaving them at home or cause I didn't have at the beginning. I didn't have to wear them all the time. I very quickly did, but I, you're constantly looking for them. You're just oh, yeah. constantly, oh, yeah. you spend 30% of your waking hours looking for your glasses. And now she's in that exact uh, moment in her life. And it's kind of amazing. It's amazing. But the only thing is though, she is of the age where she will never uh, experience one of the worst things of being uh, young and having glasses, which is, playing kickball and getting hit right on the bridge of the nose when you're wearing glasses. <laughs> yeah. That is unspeakable pain. Unspeakable yeah. pain. Mm -hmm. yep, yep, absolutely. I had to give up wearing glasses very early and switch to contacts because I played baseball. And the, my vision was so bad that the glasses were distorting <laughs> that, you know, I had that like that effect where everything was warped. Right. So I, I right. couldn't hit, I could not hit the ball because because uh, of that distortion. And so I had to switch to contacts in eighth grade and I'm glad I did because contacts are better in general than. Yeah, classes. no, they're better. They're better. My only problem with con I I love playing tennis with contacts, especially because uh, uh, sometimes we play with masks, which is uh, um, you know tough when you're wearing glasses. But sure. but the uh, but man, because because I also have the reading glasses issue, it's it's brutal. I can't read my phone like like and and when you're wearing contacts, as you well know. It doesn't work to move the clone the phone closer to your face like no. that is that is not an effective strategy. So anyway, but there you go. So well, I don't think we're going to ask David von Kampen to do a special glasses uh, segment uh, we, music. We could but, though. We but could. But if he wants to, David, you, if you're listening to this, why would you? We're two and a half hours into this thing. Don't, just stop. You're, this you're has not. to be an all time record, right? Oh, this There's is the no way. way. 
This yeah. is the record. Yeah. No, this is this is the record to the point where we can tell our listeners that you got bumped off and you were sure it's because we had broken the internet. That's right. I got kicked off in the middle of talking about Eileen <laughs> and the moving company, and I thought it was because Zoom had a two-hour limit or something. <laughs> oh, it's delightful. All right, Mike. Well, here we go. We've, we've done it again. And uh, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me. The presenting sponsor of today's show is Tops.com and Tops Project 70. Tops is celebrating the 70th anniversary of its very first baseball card design with a new program that pushes boundaries while also paying homage to their heritage. Founded in 1938 as a chewing gum company, Tops released their first baseball card set in 1951. Now, seven decades later, Tops has teamed up with 51 artists and creatives from around the globe to revisit and reimagine 70 years of Tops' most iconic baseball card designs through a year-long program called Project 70. Each artist will select their own MLB players and top designs from any year to craft a unique story. Ever wanted to know what Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle would look like in a 1980s tops design? Or how about Fernando Tatis Jr. in the 1950s? Now you can. Three new cards launch daily all year long on tops.com and are only available for 70 hours before they're gone for good. While you're there on the lookout for special cards, each card drop includes rainbow foil editions numbered 1 to 70 randomly inserted into each card's print run as well as one of one gold frame edition given to a lucky purchaser. Exclusive artist proof editions numbered to 51 featuring a silver frame are also available for purchase for every single card. But hurry as those sell out shortly after each card is launched. So look, head to tops.com to learn more about Project 70 and to check out which cards are live right now.